right, hey, we're live. Union of the Unwanted. Ricky, dig and it away. you dig it. <laughs> What's up? Another episode of the Union of the Unwanted, hosted by Midnight Mike, Nobody DM Show, Charlie Robinson from Macrogression, Sam Tripoli from the Tinfoil Hat Podcast, and of course me, Ricky Veranis from Ripple Effect Podcast. Today we're going to do a episode on false flags, which I know in the conspiracy theory world, alternative media world, it's a topic that can has been beaten down quite a bit and people have heard over and over again. But I think this is relevant because I, it almost seems like the public needs a reminder that the government will lie to you for their own reasons. And, uh, and they have lied to you. So, you know, like they say, if you don't learn history, it's uh, destined to repeat. So uh, I, obviously I, I think nine 11, OKC bombing, the anthrax, uh, mailing thing that that's all super relevant um so yeah i mean what any specific one you got well you let's know let's introduce our guest quickly and like the movie that he put out and then we'll get into it yeah you want to introduce yourself mazimo excuse me you, mazimo you, can you tell us a little bit about your movie oh. and your film directing and a little bit for those who may not be familiar with you yeah, I'm sorry. I, I need to apologize. I'm in Italy and it's midnight here. It's been a long day for me. So I was kind <laughs> thank of Thank you so much. Off. Thank you for joining thank us. You. We appreciate thank that. Thank you. Listening to. I, am, uh, I lived in the States for over 20 years in Los Angeles. I returned here uh, seven years ago in Italy. When I was in the States, I did uh, a few documentaries, uh, namely uh, at least three on 9-11. The first one was only in Italian. It was called... Um, Engano globale, which meant, uh, which means uh, global deceit. It was actually aired on national Italian television, believe it or not, on the Berlusconi channel in 2006. And it obviously created a big stir because. Oh, shit. I'm an asshole. What is going on? Sam's got technical difficulties. It's okay. He's got it under control. Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah, please. Continue or restart? No, just continue. We're just live. It happens sometimes. Oh, okay, fine, fine. I just did a live show myself. We had a lot of screw ups too, so. It happens. <laughs> so basically, this nine eleven <laughs> documentary was a, a bit of the equivalent of uh, loose change in the states, except that here, it was broadcast on national television by a Berlusconi channel, you know, on top. And it was a, a major, major reaction the, the following days. It started a whole season of discussion on 9-11. So basically between 2007, 2008 in Italy, the 9-11 issue was discussed at mainstream media level, which has not happened in many countries that I know of. I don't think any country has really discussed 9-11 publicly at, at, at the mainstream media level. Uh, after that, I, I made other films. I made one called uh, Cancer, the Forbidden Cures. One is called The uh, True History of Marijuana. All the titles tell you already what it's about, obviously. The one is called uh, The Second Dallas on the Robert Kennedy assassination. I also made one research into UFOs called UFOs in the Military Elite. And then I did the one we were talking about before, which is the biggest effort, the biggest, the biggest uh, enterprise I ever undertook, which was 19, uh, September 11, the Newport Harbor, 
This was a five hour long documentary on 9-11, which is considered by many uh, the most complete, the most, uh, yeah, the most complete in-depth documentary on 9-11, only because it covers both sides of, of, the, of the positions in the same films. So in, in the same film, I present first the claim from the so-called conspiracy theorists, and then I present the answer to those claims by the debunkers. And then I reply to the debunkers' response to that. So this is why the film is five hours long. It's not because I enjoy taking forever, simply because you need to cover everything in detail. And then after that, I gave up. I, I stopped with dealing with 9-11. I, I took up 10 years of my life studying 9-11, and it was really enough for me. So I moved on to something different and I made a movie because I was a photographer before in my life. I made a movie on what I believe to have been the fake moon landings, the, the moon hoax theory, uh, not from a astronautical or aeronautical point of view, but from a strictly photographic photographer's point of view. I mean, I was a professional for 30 years as a photographer. So I know exactly why, and I can explain why the moon pictures are taken on Earth with artificial light in a studio. Now, whether that means that we never went to the moon or not, I don't know, but I do know for sure, and I believe I have proven that the pictures and the images, the videos and the pictures that we think are from the Apollo missions are actually shot in a studio on Earth. That is pretty solid. Uh, evidence, in my opinion. So that's basically what I've been doing in the last 10 years, 15 years. I love you, dude. Me too. I have had watching parties of 9-11, the new Pearl Harbor and American Moon. Like, I'm wow. just, I'm over the moon. Okay, so you, you basically all conspiracy theorists here tonight? Yeah, yeah, we, lo we love what you're saying. And uh, I agree with everything you're saying. And I'm Honored to have you on, and uh, thank you so much for joining the Union of the Wanted. This is really great. You've yeah. actually had parties watching my movies? Is that yes, true? it's there, okay. you change it from theory to reality. I mean, it's very clear. You prove it. The rest of us theorize, but you lay it out. I mean, the American Moon thing. I, but the 9-11 one, too, it's, I used to be on terrestrial radio, and it would, it would be hard for me to kind of dig into 9-11 to the regular mainstream audience, and I would just urge people to watch your five-hour documentaries on my website and uh, American Moon also. I just There's just no denying the evidence that you present on that. It's not, right, it's not everything, but it's strictly coming down to the, the photographs. I'm completely convinced by your uh, documentary. Come well, on. believe it or not, there are people who are still not convinced. And again, you know, this proves that people really believe what they want to believe. But it's just fine, you know. I, I, I've stopped uh, pushing people, in, forcing people into believing what I believe or sharing my beliefs. I, I've decided since the Pearl Harbor movie, I decided that I simply present the facts at the best way I can and then I leave it to. I'm not going to argue after that because... Sometimes you deal with an aspect of human nature, which is the, the denial aspect. And I've, I've found that if some people, for some reason, just cannot accept a certain conclusion, it doesn't matter how much proof you put in front of their eyes, it just they will not accept it. So stop pushing for that. But of course, when I find people who understand 
the evidence and appreciate it, I am happy for that. For instance, uh, sir, I, I didn't I didn't watch your movie on the moon, but like for instance, isn't it just more like cost effective to do it on the ground here? Like I firmly believe that we went to the moon. We have been to the moon. But because of the Soviet Union and the space race, we had to ensure we had some propaganda to show. So it was a mixture of reality and stage stuff to create a complete narrative. Right. So what you're basically saying is the pictures could be fake, but we did. We still went to the moon. Yeah. Which is a very common uh, intermediate position. I found a lot of that and I respect that. It makes sense, apparently. Uh, tech. <laughs> No, what I'm saying is it makes sense. Logically, it's, you know, it's very feasible. Technically, there's a little problem with that. I don't know if you want me to get into that. I would love it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, think of this. If you analyze, take Apollo 11. I'm sorry. I have a is anybody has their speakers on? Because I get my own voice coming back. It's really frustrating. I, I do not have it. No. Okay. Do you have Maybe another tab open? Maybe you're, you've got... I your me? own thing coming back at you. So maybe it's me. No, I only have the email open, which is you. No. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen his cancer cures documentary, I don't know if you could still find it on YouTube. So when I had Masmo on, it was uh, a while ago, but I remember you could still find just about all his work still on YouTube and Cancer Cures will blow your mind because Cancer Cures is legit like he's documented mm -hmm doctors and treatments that have ha evidence to, to help people uh, with cancer. And each story is so unique because one will be demonized, one will be called pseudoscience, or another one will be threatened. And it's just like, it shows all these, historically, all these different individual stories of people that had some evidence of success with curing cancer, treating cancer. I've got to say treating cancer because I don't want to get kicked off YouTube quite yet. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and then, uh, and it's amazing because once you look into these herbs and you look into, and you know, the names and you know what to look for, you can actually search more into this. And you're like, wow, there's like, this was a person who was demonized, who's having success in their little village or their little town. Everybody around there knew about it, but it's been completely suppressed from the public. Um, so this is kind of, again, kind of related to what's going on right now, because this idea that like, you know, government agencies care about our health or care about keeping us, you know, uh, I guess, healthy and, and regulations that actually help us instead of hurting us is just ridiculous. Right. Now, would you like me to go back to the moon or to respond to this? No, we yeah, want sure, 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 whatever you want. Okay, let's go back to the moon because I want to make this clear. Because that uh, uh, Mike is your name. You're going to have a different perspective after what I tell you. Sure. Uh, if you consider Apollo 11, which is the most known uh, mission from which we have images and we know the images from, if you consider the pictures, the actual photographs taken with the Hasselblad and the video uh, sequences, which were broadcast back to Earth, and you compare shot by shot, every time a shot is taken, you look at the actual picture in, in the video, in the video sequence, they are definitely taken at the same time on the same set. I mean, there's so many details that you can tell that those pictures were actually shot on the same set that was shown on the video sequence. Millions of details, a little 
puff of dust that moves at the same time the shot is taken and you have the same power. You could not, well, my point is you could not replicate the video sequence and the pictures at different times and places, okay? They're, they happen on the same set, whether the earth or the moon. Now, the images, the video sequences were sent back to earth live. We did see them on uh, July 20th, 21st, uh, 1969. That means that also the pictures had to be taken either at the same time or both were taken before. But in no way could the pictures have been taken after the actual broadcast. So this kills the idea that many people say, oh, maybe we went to the moon, the pictures didn't come out right, so we had to reshoot them on Earth later. No. The video sequence establishes an actual timestamp for those images. And therefore, you know, you must know that the pictures also were taken either at the same time or both of them before, but at the same time. So this kind of kills that intermediate theory that many people uh, adhere to like you do. Can I ask a question about the live stream? Is, is it plausible that, because the way they present the live stream, Houston was actually speaking to the astronauts in real time back and forth to the moon. I mean, it seems like it's faster even than the speed of light. Is that, is that not a, one of the pieces of evidence that this can't have been well, what they're telling us or am I misunderstanding? No, 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 absolutely. One of the major pieces of evidence that I found is that in some sequences, not all of them, in some exchanges, the actual delay that you would expect in a communication between the earth and the moon is missing. You need at least 1.3 seconds for a signal radio signal to reach the moon and at least 1.3 seconds for it to come back. That's providing the astronauts replies immediately. So if I say, what's your name? And you say, Jane, immediately, that's at least 2.6 seconds you need between the question and the answer. I found instances where there's not even a second between the question and the answer. And therefore, that have, means, yeah. excuse me? Did they have the technology even to do it that fast at that time? No, you can't go faster than that. You can't go faster than 1.3 and 1.3. There's no way. But was the technology even to do 1.3 and 1.3 in yeah. existence at that time? Okay. Yes, that, that was radio signal. A normal radio signal would travel at that speed, would take that amount of time. Yeah, they, they had that for at least 30 years. I think the radio was Monica, are you asking if they, you could do it at that speed to the moon and back? That's what seems... Yeah, I'm just saying, did they have that at kind that of... At that time a, in technology, right? That's what you're asking. Yes. Like. Did they have a transmitter or receiver that was that powerful at that time? Yes. Got yes. It. Yes. Theoretically, I mean, theor technically, they had the means to do that. Nobody's ever argued, oh, this is impossible. You cannot have that technology. No, it was basic radio technology. In fact, the whole suspicion is that the entire video broadcast was sent, was pre-recorded and was sent to Earth either from a satellite that was aligned with where the moon was. So this is the moon, this is the Earth. If you put a satellite in between and it, this satellite beams back 
the moonwalk, it, to you on Earth, it looks like it's coming from the moon. Either that, but they even had a technology where they could bounce an actual radio signal on the moon and back from the Earth to the moon, bounce it on the surface and send it back. So theoretically, the signals that you're receiving from Earth are coming from Earth. But you still need that 1.3 plus 1.3 seconds delay. If the delay is missing, unless somebody has physically cut, made a cut in, in the audio track, then it's impossible. And I got confirmation from the guy who releases the DVDs from NASA that he has never cut any of those audios. It wouldn't make any sense to cut only half a second away. You know, it, it doesn't make sense. So that's one of the one of the uh, ev pieces of evidence that I found. Oh, I oh, go, go on, go Sam. Uh, basically, you know, there's this whole story. I have a joke about, you know, uh, a Nazi, a pedophile, a Scientologist, and a Satanist walk into a bar. What do they do? Invent NASA. Um, <laughs> Do you <laughs> do you think that these like we see like Scientology with tax breaks? We see Disney with like being able to basically create their own like country on, in Florida with that pays you know that doesn't have to follow the rules of everybody else. Do you think in any of the research you've done that that has something to do with the fact that they work so closely with the formation of NASA? Who, who, who works so closely with them? Sorry. Uh, Walt Disney, uh, L. Ron oh. Hubbard. They were all sort of the group that came together to help create NASA. Okay. Hubbard, I don't know much about him. I know who he was, but I don't know much about his connections. Walt Disney, I can tell you, he is my main suspect for creating the fake moon pictures. Not so much the pictures on the set, the pictures of the actual ship like the the lamb the, the lunar module separating from the mother capsule when you can when you see the lamb that detaches and goes towards the moon surface those are special effects that came straight from disney they would use that disney for animation regular animations in in the 40s and 50s and because von brown and walt disney's were real pals i mean real real pals they they had the same ideology they were both fascists, or at least that's what we call them here. And uh, they were good friends. And Walt Disney had already, sorry, Von Brown had already um, served as a consultant for Walt Disney when they created movies with the first spacewalk, which is, I think, 1955. So we, we're talking about, they, they went back at least 10, 15 years. So more than Kubrick, because the the the, the, the story has it that Kubrick was the one who created the, the fake uh, images of the moon landing. I I don't believe so. I never believed that it would have been necessary to call anybody like Kubrick to create what they created in the studio. It was not necessary, but you did need some good animation technique that might have come most likely from Walt Disney from Disney. So now you have a new culprit. 
Um, and Osmo, did you ever you see the um, the movie uh, Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon? Yeah, where they they have the audio with a third channel coming in of somebody who is managing the back and forth conversation between the astronauts in the in the in the ship and back on the ground, and you hear a question come across, and then you hear an un, unknown voice say, "Wait yeah. for a second and then say talk and then the person talks like that person was trying to manage the delay back and forth is that was that after apollo 11 or was that part of that was during apollo 11 it's the one piece of evidence that bart sibrell found Mm -hmm. which i think is one one of the most damning pieces of evidence altogether about the moon the moon missions he found a video. See the, the talk part when the third voice says "talk." It's okay. It's it, it it makes sense that it would in that situation. But what he really found is that they were showing a shot of Earth that was allegedly taken from halfway between the Earth and the Moon. And uh, I'm sorry, guys. I need to fix this audio. I have something wrong with my system here. Uh, Anyway, you can talk about something else. Give me three minutes. Sure. I can't really concentrate. Know what he's talking about. That was the most important part to me. I thought, could that be real? It was where they were inside the the ship, the spaceship. Yes. And they put a piece of cardboard over the window with the earth behind it to make it look like it was much further away. And it was so like they don't even really talk over it when they present it in that documentary. And you're looking at it and you're thinking this either is just smoking gun evidence or it's totally fake, but it really looks real. And, and what a smoking gun it is. And obviously they were all in on it. And I think it was in that documentary where the filmmaker goes to Neil Armstrong's house or one of those guys house and he punches him in the face. Remember that? It's, uh, it, <laughs> yes. it's in the parking lot of like the Lux hotel. Okay, and was, it's Buzz Aldrin that, that punches him. That was Bart Sabrell. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's Sumasa. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a, a mashup on Twitter of all of his confrontations and the way that people react to them. And he's only confronting people who were involved in moon landings. And he's all yeah. he's doing is asking them to swear on the Bible that they went to the moon. Dude, and how nobody many things have you done in your life? Which you can't, I mean, you don't want to brag, but you're so excited and you just keep telling everybody and you're telling me you go to the moon and you're not doing press conference after press. I mean, I release a comedy album. I'm on 90 podcasts trying to sell this pod, sell this album. You land on the moon. You're doing no interviews. You're not talking to anybody about it. I mean, you got to be, dude, the male ego would never allow you to do that. (laughs) The amount of women you could get from telling everybody (laughs) you landed on the moon. Just let you know you would be on. I mean, I think they got, it's not just that though. It's that they look depressed. Like when yeah. they got, they're like, they, it, you when know, like that's in the not face. normal. <laughs> like, that yeah, press conference I, with the three of them at, at the table where yeah. they're white knuckling it and grinding their teeth and sitting, staring straight ahead. I, I've described that in, in my octopus book is it looked like they were hostages. Yeah. Being forced to read a statement. It it they was were. the exact opposite reaction that you would have to coming back from the greatest achievement in the history of mankind to then sit there and look like you're being about to be waterboarded. 
You know, you're yeah. just sitting there just wishing it was over. It's, I mean, it's that's like a spiritual experience. You know, you just saw the entire planet from afar. But, like you can't. Oh, so that's the only counter, I guess, the counter argument that I would, I would kind of understand is you. Oh. An astronaut. <laughs> well, let's make this fun. Let's not all. Agree. <laughs> and, um, uh, <laughs> and, uh, it, to, you, I've heard astronauts talk about how seeing the Earth from a distance like that and putting in perspective that like every single thing that's that they ever read in a history book since the beginning of time all happened on this little planet that they're staring at, how it, it is kind of like a spiritual experience. So like I could kind of see like a little bit of like coming back and just like being blown away and like just not being yourself because you're trying to put it all in perspective what you just experienced and what you just saw and the whole thing but you're right i mean it almost did seem like there were hostages more than that experience but i have heard astronauts talk about that experience one thing i want to ask real quick is the big like you know i do a show with brian callen he doesn't believe in conspiracies i believe in conspiracies we go back and forth and i thoroughly enjoy the show uh, but, you know, his whole argument, and most of the time is his only argument, and I love him, is that how are they going to get all these people to be behind a degree? Like, I would love to hear this group of people who seem to be very much into the truth well, community. Uh, what is your take on that argument? Everybody heard that argument. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. we can hear you, sir. You're not um, moving, though. It looks like you had a stroke. Video but froze. You're fo frozen, frozen, but we can hear you. Okay. Well, not my best profile. <laughs> no, you look great, dude. You look stunning. That looks like All right. you're I'll, I'll keep going anyway. I hope that I'm freezes. Yeah. Oh, maybe I know what it is. Hold on one second. Oh, with, with I'm, I'm messing up a lot. No, this is turn off. Okay, anyway, let me say something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th that embarrassing sequence about the press conference is possibly the, the, the one single piece that anybody needs to see to know that those guys not only did not go to the moon, but had to represent that they did. I mean, there was obviously, there was obviously forced to. Uh, the Parsi Braille thing that you mentioned before, it was, he went up to at least 10 ast astronauts between the moonwalkers and those who actually circle the moon. I think Apollo 10, he also interviewed Ed Young from Apollo 10 and the reactions these guys have when he says, swear on the Bible, you went to the moon or you, you circled the moon are another piece of damning evidence. As, as somebody said before, you've been to the moon, man. Why would you not swear on the Bible that you have? I mean, it's the most obvious. Or thing. feel sorry for the nut who says that you didn't. Like, why right. do you care yeah, what I that would. guy thinks? And by the way, you don't care. In, in one case, Bart Bell offered also Neil Armstrong $5,000 to be donated in, you know, to given away to poor people. If he just swore on the Bible, he, he still then he wouldn't do it. But let me give you one little uh, anecdote that nobody has ever heard from me or from anybody else. It just came to me um, because we we're talking about Head Mitchell, uh, Apollo 13. Once when I was living in the States, I met a very famous actress and I'm saying very, very, very famous. Okay. Top, top level in, in the history of American films. We were discussing the possibility of making a movie about the subject that is not interesting here. And somehow the conversation went on to the moon. And she said, oh, I was very good friends 
meaning I was together for a period of time with Ed Mitchell. And uh, he told me, she said to me, that he did not walk on the moon. He just was out in orbit. And I said, excuse me, uh, Ed Mitchell is one of the 12 known moonwalkers. Oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely, you're mistaken, she said. He did not go to the moon. He told me. He told me that he only went in circles in orbit, but he did not go to the moon. Okay, I had to take her to a computer, open up Wikipedia, and show her that Ed Mitchell is one of the 12 known moonwalkers. I wish I had a camera at that time to photograph her face. She stood like, she looked at those lines on Wikipedia, and then she just said, why would he ever lie to me? And I said, blank, blank, her name. I don't think he lied to you. He lied to the rest of the world, but obviously yeah. he cared enough about you that he did not lie to you. Yeah. That's the end of the anecdote, by the way. <laughs> Do you, can I ask to take on that? If they are, are actually around the moon, I think two questions, like is how, how much of that stuff is real? And also, are there any pictures of the stars from those other no, angles? Wait, okay. When I say in orbit, I mean in orbit around the Earth, not around the oh, Moon. Oh, okay. Right, right, uh, right. My right. theory, which is also Bart Sibrell's theory, is that astronauts did leave on the Saturn rocket. They went in orbit for seven days, eight days. They grew their beard nice. and But when the time was to come back from the Moon, they just re-entered the atmosphere and came down. So they basically stayed circling around for, for seven days. Uh, the other question was about... So I, I always thought the biggest smoking gun just for the casual observer would be that they never turned their cameras to the sky. They never took any pictures that would show the one thing that could justify the scientific mission would be to get a perspective from that other point of the three-dimensionality of like the stars and everything. But there's nothing like that. What's the official the, explanation? The, I, was, I was laughing because of that. The official explanation for that they were not sent to the moon to take pictures of the stars. Just think of how stupid <laughs> that that explanation is. It tells you what it needs to cover up. Every well, Greek philosopher would only would, ask that. In all likelihood, they would have lost the negatives or they would have, you know, taken double exposed the pictures. I mean, didn't they lose the, the footage of Look, the, the actual... Um, in like, 1969, in 1969 they didn't even have Hubble. So this would have been a unique opportunity for them. With they had a 500 millimeter lens on the, on the spaceship, the, the the command module. This guy, um, sorry, I'm sorry, Collins, the third one, is rotating around for at least I don't know, half a day, one day has nothing to do. While the two are officially on the moon walking, he's going around, around, around with nothing to do. You just check, you know, gauges and everything. He has a 500 millimeter lens, which is a long telephoto, very powerful. He's the first time that a long, powerful lens has been outside the atmosphere. Because we can take pictures of the star from here, but the atmosphere makes them blurred. That we don't get a sharp image. So he would have, would have been the first opportunity 
a man had to photograph stars and galaxies with an extreme sharpness, which we only would see after when Hubble came about. We didn't have Hubble at the time. But he had nothing. He did not think of taking one pictures of the star. Yeah. Well, Massimo, I have a question for you in regards to the moon or 9-11 or any other false flag. There are other superpowers like Russia that could call BS. Why don't you think they call BS if, if they can see through these lies like you have or anybody else like us? Well, they probably more than see through the lies they knew. But take, your, take yourself back to 1969. I'm it's, dead. I'm not, I'm not even alive. Okay, I'll do it. Imagine. Okay, I will. Imagine. It's the end of one decade of race to the moon. Super tough competition. The, the Soviets started ahead with Sputnik. They were always ahead. First man in orbit, the first woman in orbit, the first dog. They're always first. America is always second. Finally, officially, the United States catches up. They win the race to the moon. Can you imagine if the Russians had said, oh, no, you didn't go? People, the world would have laughed at them. The answer would have been, we saw it on TV. You freaking stupid. You lost. It's our loser. A, a loser like that could never call a bluff after he has lost a race like that because nobody would believe him. It would have been ridiculed. That's reason number one, psychological. Uh, I'm going to skip one because it's a little too complicated to get into. Um, let me skip this part because it's, we, we get too, too deep. Let's stay with that. They, they, wouldn't, they would have looked like fools. Secondly, think of this. As the Apollo missions were still going on, 1972, Apollo missions are from 69 to 72. As they're still happening... Russia, sorry, United uh, Soviet Union and the United States are already talking secretly about a future joint mission in space, which is what in three years will become the Apollo-Soyuz encounter, 1975. They were already in talks for that and advanced. Astronauts had been back and forth checking each other's uh, connection systems so that the two vehicles could actually connect in space, you know, they're very ahead with that. Had the Russians called the bluff from the Americans, anything that happened after that would not have taken place. But have been a totally uh, broken system of communications between the two. The Russians were very interested in acquiring the American technology because the American technology did surpass the Soviet one by the end of the decade. They were very interested in acquiring that. So think that you will look like a stupid by calling a bluff and you would lose all the possibility of what's already going on behind, behind the scenes. I don't see any reasons why would anybody call it like that. And third, Soviets also had a lot of skeletons in their closets. Exactly. So yes. I don't think it's healthy to start calling on each other's lives because you never too. know where you end up, you know. And can yeah. I draw a connection between the moon, um, one of your topics, and the 9-11 topic with the Russian idea, which I've kind of concluded that one of the reasons that they don't 
out everything is, I think they call it straight power concepts. Like it's more important for Russia, the Russian elite to use their levers of power than to actually just nationalistically dominate oh, yeah. the U.S. So they're not going to call out ISIS because they use ISIS. They use it. Oligarchies help oligarchies. Or they just, yes. they use those same mechanisms. So they don't want to expose this. Like they don't want to reveal the method of how superpowers su suppress their own national interests in Absolutely. favor of some international we elite. We are used of thinking versus, you know, you know, Soviet Union versus the States. That's that the, the story we were sold in the 60s, the race between this and that. In, in, in reality, if you go above the, the official level, it, there's a cross connection between the elites and the elites. And I couldn't care less about calling each other's bluffs. That's okay. You want this one, we win the next one. It's, it's not a problem for them. That's why I always thought the idea that the moon landing was a hoax in order to win the Cold War was rather noble. Like, I actually thought it was a noble lie, too noble even for the U.S. government to do. Like, I think there must have been a deeper reason to perpetuate that hoax than simply to dominate Russia. Massimo, uh, I wanted to ask something. Um, you know, the, the biggest argument we we were going to get into it is uh, from the regular people is that how can so many people be in on this? Yeah, uh, I don't think you get into those rooms to play this character that they want you to play unless they absolutely know your playing ball whether it's it's blackmail or you've shown some initiation to get into that room you don't get into that room when we show when nasa shows up people 20 people in the room going yay we landed on mars when we're really in greenland you know those people are hand selected to go into that room and play that role what are your thoughts my thought is that actually that is the large room there's a smaller room and the chances are that the people in the large room are the first ones to actually be duped. In other words, you have this image, the famous image, you know, of uh, the lamb landing on the moon and uh, it's a small step for mankind, whatever he said, a big step, whatever. Uh, and everybody cheers. Those people cheering, I believe they're absolutely convinced that we went to the moon. But what they're watching, they're watching a videotape on a screen. The actual communications is a separate section. And I have the feeling that those 400 or 500 people in that room are the first ones to be duped. You cannot afford, this is right, this, is, this concept is correct. You cannot have everybody in it and, and know about it because somebody would just say, but you don't have to have so many people in it. All you need is very few people and all the rest are the first victims of your own hopes. Yeah, but isn't it true? Like, for example, the JFK assassination, you look at 9-11, you look at the OKC bombing, you look at even the COVID thing going on right now. There's so many people who are talking, who are whistleblowers, who are, and they're silenced, they're killed, they're, you know, they have suicides or they have mysterious deaths. So when anytime somebody's like, well, if this was a giant conspiracy, why didn't I hear about it? It's because they do a great job at silencing those voices. And when you control the media and the TV, the place and, and the newspapers and the places you would hear those whistleblowers, then where would you hear their voices anyways? You're not going to hear them. Let me give you the best example is with the JFK assassination. One of the arguments 
by those who defend the, the, the official version is that so that would take so many people to be in it that sooner or later somebody would talk. Why hasn't anybody talked? The point is that people have talked. People who participated in the Kennedy assassination have confessed that they did, but we never heard about it unless you're studying the story. Um, our hunt on his deathbed, he confessed to his son. He left a recorded uh, confession to his son. Howard Hunt was the CIA man, and, and then the Watergate man. And he was always suspected to having been in Dallas on, on, on November 22nd, 63, but was never proven. He actually admitted to having been there and with the people, and he even names names of CIA. He, I think he names Cord Meyer and the other one I don't remember, Morales people from the CIA who were there and participated into, into the assassination. Uh, the very person who is probably shot the fatal shot to the front shot from the grassy knoll has confessed. I did it. It's on tape. His name is James files and is, or was at least 10 years ago in a prison in Illinois for a different related matter. He has left a, uh, confession on the tape. He tells he was a little mafia boy. He was 21 at the time. He tells the whole story from the day they left from Chicago. They came down to Dallas. He chose to go on the grassy knoll. His boss, Chuck Nicoletti, would shoot from the Daltex building, which is aligned, but not the same as, as the book depository, but it would look like it came from the same angle. All the instructions he got, the only way you wait, it has to be a headshot. It's all detailed. Plus the bullet he bite, he says he bit a bullet, left it on the fence, yeah. and boom, there there's actually a bullet that was found left on the fence. So Yeah, that I could never find corroboration of. But if you listen to his story, you don't have to find the actual bullet. It makes sense because it gives you all the missing pieces of the Kennedy assassination with that we never had. For example, he explains why Oswald uh, uh, turned uh, positive to the paraffin test on the cheek, but not on the hand. But this has always been a mystery that nobody could explain. Sorry, the opposite. It was positive on the hand, but not on the cheek, which theoretically would mean he's not shot a gun. He explains that. I'm not going to get into details now. The third confession that you have is a guy named, um, give me a second, Tosh Plum Lee. He was the CIA pilot at the time. He, on tape, tells the story of how we collected Johnny Rosselli, which is one of the killers of the mafia, the day before from, I think, Lantana in, in, in Florida, and they flew to Dallas, to Houston first, and then to Dallas. So he confirms that the same killers that James Files says were in Dallas, he actually flew them there. So you have these triangulations of, of uh, confessions that match perfectly. So the point is, my point is, people do confess at some point. The problem is that the media doesn't pick it up. The guy who interviewed James Files in prison 15 years ago, when he told the story of how he killed Kennedy, he thought he had struck gold. If I were a producer and I get an interview with a guy who says I shot Kennedy and it's credible, I walk out of that prison and I think I've struck gold. Well, guess what? Nobody wanted to buy his tape. We only have it because we made research, but, you know, he was not. So the idea that just because somebody talks, automatically the whole world would know it's, it's, it, it's, it doesn't stand. Uh, that, that's the logical, the, the missing part. The media does not want to officially 
a knowledge that Kennedy was killed by the mafia in cooperation with the CIA. They will never will officially write that in a history book. Everybody who has studied the case knows that that's what's happened. But that has to stay as popular belief. It cannot become official history. So the fact that somebody speaks, they don't care. Did you ever hear on CNN about uh, our Hunt's confession to his son? No. Did you ever hear on CNN, ABC or CBS about James Fry's confession? No. They refuse. They, they say uh, they, they want to know. So that's how it works. It's not enough for people to speak. It has to reach the larger audience, which it never does. What I always find is whenever these events happen, and the best example of this was the Vegas shooting, where like the intelligence people, and I listen, I'm sure in intelligence there's a lot of good people, and like any group, any organization, there are some very bad apples that are up to no good. To blanket statement, any group is just ridiculous. But when, what I watched in the Vegas shooting was the FBI showed up and what they do is they set the official narrative and that's what we all work from. And from there, we all, the, the truth community has to go and start picking apart. And we have to fight against that because for some reason, the people that have been lied to forever are, I call them goldfish because they only see what's in front of them. They don't remember anything that happened to them two seconds ago. They just go off that narrative and we must work off that narrative, debunking all of that. And they set the precedent in which we must work from. And it's that's the most damaging part. And no matter how many times they're caught lying to us, the masses don't seem to remember, want to remember it because I think in their heart of hearts, they don't want to believe that the I enemy mean. is within or that the world is this dark. It's it's great to have boogeymen out there, right? Like these people that were like, Al-Qaeda over there's the bad people or the Nazis in Germany are the bad people. But it can't be a small group of powerful people within our own intelligence or government because that's not how the world works. The meanies are over there, not over here. And it's we just end up fighting pushing back against that. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Or this takes us young? back to what we said in the beginning about the denial. Uh, and the reason why I don't push my, my findings on people, I don't force my conclusions on people, because this mechanism of denial is it's, it's very precious. It's very important for people to maintain their psychological balance. So if somebody is well-equipped enough to accept an uncomfortable truth, the truth is welcome to them. But if they're not equipped for that, you're just going to destabilize them and make an enemy, and they're going to hate you for breaking their own bubble of security in which they think that the world exists. So that, that's why I don't, I never insist. You know, when I start a discussion with somebody, if they're interested, I give them what I have, and they can do whatever they want with it. But if they don't ask, I'm not going to, I changed. I used to. I used to. Oh, come on. Think. I used to push everybody to the extreme. And of course, then you just make an enemy and people just hate you and they still don't change their mind. 
I think this goes back to why it's so important for people to be uh, healthy in their in their own selves, you know, and work on healing, because I don't think you can get to that point. Like you said, you have to be well equipped enough to deal with the truth. If you're a broken, scarred individual, you're never going to get there. And so, you know, it's just a little, uh, you know, goal for yeah, people, you don't even I need, guess. You don't even need to be broken and scarred. All you need to do is a little bourgeois with your little mentality. Like even here in Italy, for example, many people have this great idea that America is the greatest democracy in the world, okay? Of course, we have that idea. We have been soaked in propaganda for 70 years after the war, so of course we believe that. <laughs> and even very intelligent pe people, very cultured people, uh, journalists who know what they're doing and have dealt with problems in the world before, sometimes talking about N11, they say to me, Ah, your work is is very, very on point. So it's very accurate, and I really cannot uh, dis dismantle it. I cannot debunk it. But this is too big of an idea. I cannot. Americans would not do this to themselves. So they have this preconceived idea that America is the perfect place, and and there's nothing you can do about that because it's, it's the premise of the reasoning. So no matter how how late you come with information at the end of the reasoning, if the premise is Americans would never do this to themselves, that's not going to change. That's a quick question real quick. Um, so being out of Italy, I've been doing this podcast called Tim Fall Hat. I would love to have you on sometime. But I've done some studying, and I kind of get into this idea that you, whether it's CIA, Mossad, MI6, they have different names, but they all seem to be kind of the same organization. And maybe I'm wrong and I'm going out, but for me, it just seems to be more of a Jesuits thing and that they all kind of work under the same organization, but uh, in different parts of the world. And that, you know, organized crime, how many of these countries, like whether it's Europe, uh, North and South America have like these these crime families or these crime organizations that seem to have a real Catholic base to them. The Italians, the Irish, the the Mexican, uh, they all are like strong Catholic roots. Uh, is am I just talking crazy right here? Or have you have you studied any of that and found that there might be something that there's there's you know as they say in boxing, there's levels to this shit and what is a higher level than maybe even the intelligence communities? Uh, it seems to me like you, you're looking for a religious connection. When you mentioned Jesuits, 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 I'm not really Jesuits. into religion. I, I don't, okay. I don't think the, the Vatican is really religious in my humble opinion. No, no, Okay. Well, whatever. I'm, we're talking about finding a connection at that level. So when you mentioned Catholics or Jesuits, you, you, you mean, you mean that I've never found, anything in my research that would hint to an overarching connection of this kind between different secret services. But then again, I haven't really studied in, I don't have the tools to study secret services in depth. If I had, I would probably be dead by now. So the very fact that I'm alive means I don't have the tools to access the information I would like to access. So no, I, I don't know if I can answer that question. Well, there's also the, um, going back to the space race, you know, and the moon landing and all of this, I, I had heard and seen that every single space agency in the world um, all use the same symbolism of the vector 
the vector symbolism. It's just like that arc, sort of like the Nike swoosh. Every single one of them does. And I feel like that's like a bit much, you know, and that it indicates that they are aligned and there is some organization, whether it's the Jesuits or someone else, right, that connects all of these. Okay, space agencies are different from secret services. Uh, space agencies may, I don't know, may have a Masonic, Masonic connection, and the symbolism is typical of Masonic organizations. In that, I would be more, more prone to believe that there is a connection that goes across all of them. But before we were talking about secret services, MI6, Mossad, CIA, and that. Well, uh, you know what I want to get into, too, because we have the pleasure of having Mazmo, my two favorite, two guys that are responsible for my two favorite 9-11 documentaries. You have Jason from Loose Change, and then you have Mazmo from 9-11, A New Pearl Harbor. And the oh, one... there he is. That's, yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, uh, Jason. Yeah, look at you guys side we, by we side. We talked about, let me see, it would have been 2005, 15 years ago. You guys were coming to L.A., we were trying to organize for me to come and meet you guys. We never made it, but I remember talking to you, Jason. Yeah, it's, I have it's aged and you time. haven't. What's 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 wrong with this picture? I have <laughs> aged and you haven't. Oh, I, you know, I'm lucky, and believe me, okay. I'm feeling it. I'm almost 42 now. Um, you know, I, I jumped in a little bit, and I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to interrupt because I had another broadcast. But you, you're talking about the space race, and this is something that I've really looked into. I kind of want to understand where you're coming from on these new messiahs of space, such as Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos with their privatized stuff of Tesla, Tesla, SpaceX. And now they had this, uh, what was it, Inspiration4, where you could be on the Space Force if you were in an internet lottery. You have Blue Origin from uh, Jeff Bezos. And it just seems to me that these guys are using antiquated technology. It's all based in rockets and not new propulsion systems. And we constantly get these promises that we're going to the moon and we're going to colonize Mars. And obviously that's masking something else. So why do you think that they're amplifying these guys as the new prophets of space? But why does each of those people do it uh, for, per in particular, I cannot tell in general, the idea of the space race has always, since the 50s, has been pushed in order to allocate money from government that obviously then goes somewhere else. Uh, I don't know how many billion dollars was actually the, actual, the, the, the NASA missions worth. It was a lot at the time. I think it was 150 billion could be of today's money or something like that. If they did not go to the moon, and they only spent part of that money. Where did the rest of the money go? Maybe black ops. We got black projects that could not be space projects, maybe, that could not be done in the open. That, that could be a very good reason. For example, now we hear about Mars, Mars, Mars. We're back at in the 1960s when it was the moon, the moon, the moon, the moon. Everybody thought we're going to the moon. That helped Congress to fund all that money that possibly went somewhere else. Now it's Mars. So obviously we're going to have new projects going to Mars, new ideas going to Mars, development money. If we're not really going to Mars, which I don't believe we are, where is that money going? So there's a big cow to be milked by proposing future frontiers in space. 
So what are your thoughts on the weaponization of space, especially the strategic initiative in the 80s with Reagan, also known as Star Wars? They said it was a big failure. But then we kind of made this pseudo alliance with Russia on the ISS, right? Until Musk came into the picture for 11 years, we were riding Russian rockets up to the ISS. I look at this, I look at Starlink, for instance, and DARPA launching their own Starlink along with Musk's Starlink at the same time as an extension to militarize space in these black projects. I believe that's where a lot of this money is going to. Well, we're getting into a territory that's a little uh, not so sharp, so to speak here, okay. in my, my opinion. I don't know exactly about each of these projects. I don't follow much of that. But for example, about the Star Wars project, I remember I made also a documentary on, on UFOs. It's called UFOs and the Military Elite. And my documentary has nothing to do with aliens or little green man. The only little green man, the only green man we talk about in my film, my documentary is the people from the Pentagon, the military. And my documentary is about how all the information about possible uh, UFOs was, has been suppressed in history from the 1950s until today. But in that documentary, I remember having one clip from somebody, I don't remember the name, who actually was a whistleblower who said, you guys think that all the satellites we put up on, on the sky serve somehow the earth system. He said, let me tell you, more than half of them are pointed outwards. They don't care about what happens on Earth. They're pointed outwards, and he left it there. So I believe that the, this is why I'm saying this is a territory where it becomes very iffy, and I'd rather not step into it right now. But uh, I think that a lot of where the money that we cannot know about goes has to do with this possibility of being attacked by outer space, from outer space my opinion. I cannot prove that for sure. And isn't the similarity with all these stories, like it doesn't matter if we're talking about the OKC bombing, the, the moon landing, whatever it may be, 9-11, that there's always a incentive for the government to get more power, scare us into like just giving up our freedoms, giving up our rights, giving up, you know, power. And, uh, and it's, and it, it all seems like that's what it is. That's what it's about. You know, it's, um, I mean, Chris Emery's here. He could talk a little more about, hey, uh, hey how are you, Chris? Thanks for joining us about, uh, OKC bombing and, and a uh, noble eye. Uh, and of course, Mazamo and Jason can talk about some of the laws of Patriot Act and some of the other things that happened with the spying and all that stuff that happened after September 11th. So it's just, and then you see it now with the COVID thing, right? It's like, oh, let's track you, you know, to protect you. We're, we want to track you so we can protect you, you know, all this type of stuff. So you see, this is why this stuff is so important to, for people to learn, because if you're a teenager and you weren't alive or, or you're, you're uh, very young during um, OKC or 9-11 or all these things, you, it's hard for you to see those patterns repeat over and over again. You know, we're almost, I think just about all of us are, are at that age where we can kind of put that together. I was actually born on April 19th. So the OKC bombing was always super fascinating to me because it happened on my birthday. And I remember being a kid and paranoid about like is something gonna blow up on my birthday every year <laughs> you know but um uh but yeah so it, do you guys do, do you think that's one of the reasons why this is so important to kind of remind ourselves and remind others that like hey stuff like this this isn't new stuff like this has happened before and it's been used to you know to give us uh, to give up our rights are you asking me 
anybody, I guess. <laughs> I, I, th I think so. Uh, General Parton, one of the experts that we interviewed in our film, by the way, thank you for having me on. And I, I want to do a shout out to Jason. Uh, Jason and I go way back. Uh, he inspired our crew to do the documentary on the Oklahoma City bombing. And I believe they were at least halfway through or through their third film on the Loose Change series at the time. So thank you, Jason. Uh, it was Good to see you, Chris. I haven't Likewise. seen you in years. You look great. Likewise, a little shorter on the hair, Jason. Looks good. <laughs> Everybody's getting a little great. Oh, you're looking awesome. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, the Patriot Act. Uh, General Parton, one of the first things he told me when I visited him at his home in Alexandria, Virginia, was that the Patriot Act was not necessary at all. There was enough legislation. There were enough restrictions already in the congressional record and law many times over that uh, it was just a political ploy by Bill Clinton and, of course, the subsequent administrations to um, really try to restrict their rights. And um, it just—he was—he was very upset about it, and uh, he said it took a tailspin on our rights, and we would never see, would never ever be able to recover any of that after. And of course, he was right, um, especially if you look at where we are today. Uh, I'm doing more and more vaccine passport stories. Um, I did several on them today. I think Naomi Wolf, who I interviewed 12 years ago on her End of America documentary and book. Uh, has been really the most vocal person, at least on the left right now, and the most realistic person. And the easiest person to convey that this is not just about a quote-unquote vaccine or a virus, that anything can be uploaded to this, and it's very scalable. And I actually played a clip from Michael Smir Smirkonish trying to now make the no-shirt, no-shoes, no-service argument that's circulating around, even though that's not a medical record and absolutely absurd. Well, I'll never forget, I think Smirkonish was one of the first, and I actually played some of that earlier today, first guys I took on on mainstream media. I was on MSNBC with him then. He's on CNN now, uh, both still big-time bootleg bootlickers, establishment propagators. And this fake news thing, it's not new. It's been going on for generations. I think we still have to fight it. You know, there was uh, a light at the end of the tunnel that I saw this week, actually, in the Daily Mail. It's probably the most fair article I've seen questioning 9-11 uh, in the sense of the controlled demolition of the towers, Building 7, and on behalf of family members that are still bringing lawsuits almost 20 years later and demanding that the attorney general in the United Kingdom relook at the evidence. And this article spent no time calling us kooks or cranks. And it was, it was actually extremely powerful to the point where I read the entire thing top to bottom, kind of speaking to what you were saying, Ricky, how people don't understand how much trouble we're in right now if they don't understand 9-11, if they don't understand Oklahoma City, if they don't understand the World Trade Center bombing in 93, if they don't understand JFK or how we got into Vietnam, all these things are essential in letting people know that this is it. This is the takeover. This is the push. If your governor is not now willing to sign something into law like DeSantis, they have declared themselves the enemy. Make no mistake, that is where we are in this country and the world. Well, I always say, I'm like, if they can shoot in broad daylight, the president, uh, you know, the elected president of the United States of America, like in broad daylight in front of people and cover it up, what the hell isn't possible? Like, why would anything else be hard to believe? Like, you're, I mean, think about something like that happening in our time. I think it's easier to digest because it's historic. Like, you read about it, you didn't live it, you didn't see it. But, uh, you know, if, if you look at 
living through something like that. Imagine if that happened today. We would, I mean, the, it'd be chaos. It, it would be crazy. And then to find out that there was a possible cover up and there's, uh, you know, a really shitty investigation. And, and then they took out the, the guy who shot the president. Then they took out the guy who shot the guy who shot the president. You know, it's like, it's like, it, it wouldn't even seem real. You're like, wait, there's, there's no way this could be, could be real, you know? And you know, it, Ricky, yeah. can I say like that, the whole, that whole scenario all rests, the things get crazier and crazier, but it all rests on people believing like the mainstream media propaganda. And this is what I wanted to ask Massimo, who's saying like he makes these evidence-based documentaries like other people here. And yet when you just talk to normal people, they refuse to believe it because America's great or whatever. So I'm interested in your opinion, Massimo, of how you can, why does the media that comes through the mainstream media have such a more powerful impact? What is the psychology behind that? Or is it that they actually do psychological experiments on how to influence the public? I mean, did you get a sense of that when you're trying to break through those barriers with your stuff versus the shoddy stuff that, that is more convincing just because it comes through the big pipe? I get it every day, unfortunately. It's very frustrating. We Here in Italy, for example, we have the same problem now with, uh, with the COVID. Uh, we are about, I would say, 5 to 8% of Italian's population, maybe, who has really realized what's going on, the big scheme of the big reset that's going on with, uh, with uh, COVID. 90% of the people, and possibly even more, are totally bought into the the mainstream version. I mean, mainstream media is called mainstream for a reason, because it's the main stream, it's the largest. So mainstream media represents and at the same time influences the thought of the majority of the people. And that's why they have a, a frame out of which nobody dares to step. So that provided you stay within those two, those frames, you will always be mainstream. And for us who are outside, we have, or we had, the internet and YouTube until yesterday, but now we're getting killed on YouTube. I get one video removed every other week because of medical disinformation. You know, I'm actually showing just official documentations and putting A and B together, but of course they decide what they want and they, because it doesn't match with what the OMS wants, uh, then they just remove the video. So we don't even have that anymore. We're actually working now on a different platform. Uh, my son and I, my son basically is, is the technical guy. Uh, he's building a platform that's totally independent from any public server to host our own videos so that they cannot be taken down anymore. But I mean, up until a couple of years ago, it would have been relatively easy to fight back. Now with this new fake news thing, which has become the weapon for censorship, it's become very, very difficult. Not only is it frustrating to see the power that the mainstream media has over the majority of the people, but even our power, which is already one-tenth or even less, has been reduced day after day because of the censorship, especially on YouTube. I'm sure well, you guys right, have the same problems. Right. Well, I mean, let's uh, let's get Ryan in here because this is a perfect topic to get Ryan in here. Nobody's been, uh, you know, censored uh, quite as much as Ryan, uh, definitely uh, of late. So, Ryan, thank you for staying up uh, and 
And you're not even in Italy. Masmo's, it's like one in the morning in Italy. And Ryan has a hard time staying up uh, for our seven o'clock show. But uh, <laughs> I'm just busting your balls. But, uh, but Ryan, you want, to, you want to fill us in about <laughs> the extent that censorship will go? Yeah, yeah. Well, fair. And thank you for having me on, guys. I should have been here a thousand times before this. So I appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, it's funny. I just brought a side note that I, I actually accidentally put this on Tuesday, so I almost missed it. And then I thought it was six my time. So that's why I came in late. So it was, it was just, it wasn't supposed to make it today either. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't, we don't need to spend too much time on my censorship. You know, there's so many people out there that have been censored. I'm sure everyone here to a great degree has been censored. I have two YouTube channels been taken down my entire Twitter, you know, Patreon, go daddy blocking my podcast. I mean, we all know what it's about. You know, they are, I, I just love Massimo's point there at the end about, you know, their just statement about going over scientific documentation, you know, just reviewing what it states and then pointing out what that means in contrast to the current narrative and how in the world that can be deemed anything other than just, you know, I mean, how can be deemed misinformation, let alone medical misinformation is staggering. So, you know? so let me stop you for a second, Ryan. So I just finally did a video on the SPARS document, and this is yet another one of these war games that came out. And this is the 2020 version. So there's a 2017 version. This is uh, a little more antiquated. It's only a 32-page document. Eight of that is citations. They actually go into a scenario where someone named Epi Girl, and I saw Whitney Webb on Tim Dillon's show talking about how she was basically able to aggregate information that was true and put it in a manner where you now doubted the mainstream media's narrative. Not that it was false. Well, guess what? This entire document. Let me let me see if I can't just bring it up here for for all you guys. We'll we'll do it live. That, we uh, we uh, last American Va Oh, did he just? Oh, there you are. Oh, I'm so, here. Last, keep going. Uh, no, we, no. we just uh, we covered the spars. I think Derek Bros wrote about that in 2020 November, I believe. So yeah. He covered it's it's a pretty alarm. If you guys haven't seen that, I recommend you look into that because it's just another event 201 style prediction <laughs> it's predicting something that will be coming go ahead jason yeah so if you look at it here this is basically and what we'll do is we'll we'll bring it up nice and big so everyone can see it this person epi girl oh i'm sorry we'll have to do this one sorry so epi girl is now this social media influencer and she's taking actual VAERS data cdc and fda uh, information and this is a covid like thing and basically because her stuff is better. The government attempted to respond to these claims through formal press releases, but these were neither as visually appealing nor as interactive as Epi Girl's maps were, therefore largely ignored. So in other words, she did it better than them. And then the other point to make, let's see, is that they basically say it's not just misinformation, it's doubt. So responding right. to misinformation or doubt. So you basically can make a better argument based on the available science and cause doubt in the mainstream narrative. And now that also has to be censored. And that's it's what Massimo was talking document. about, right? And the, the crazier part about that, Jason, to point out about is that what what Jason is reading is a mock, is a, is a document, like think of it like Event 201. So what blows me away is that they're documenting in their hypothetical situation, how they're choosing to, to, manipulate genuine coverage because it creates doubt. So they're stating for us, they'll hide the truth if it creates vaccine hesitancy or however they want to frame it. That's not even a hidden concept today. It's just, that's unbelievable. Well, yeah. no, it happened to Whitney. That's why she got booted from Patreon. 
yeah. the, the, the email said, you know, well, first it was like, here's an example of the misinformation and it's blank. And, and then when they finally kick her off of Patreon, it, it's they tell her, like, it's not that it's misinformation, but it could cause doubt in people. And that's, well, I mean, that was Patreon's official reason. Specifically what they said, we, we covered this in the interview. Yeah, yeah. They basically broke it down to say, well, you're allowed to, you're allowed to discuss this. That's fine, right? To talk about it all you want, but you can't spread medical misinformation. And so the point was, when does discussing something become misinformation? It's clear when you source it. When you source that material and show the documentation and state it and talk about it, well, that's not allowed. But if you just discuss it, that's okay. Right. So they made that very clear. They don't like when you prove what you're saying, <laughs> not on Patreon. But there's an actual clip from the director of the, the CEO of YouTube, which we ran a few months ago. We found out you, you probably all have seen it, too. When she said she's interviewed, I think, by CNN and she says, clearly, we will censor and we will remove any content that does not match with the W uh, WHO. Uh, direction directives. So anything you say that is against whatever WHO said would be automatically removed. Doesn't matter whether it's true or not. So WHO is controlled in in large part by Bill Gates. WHO now WHO M O O M S in Italian World Health Organization. Yeah, WHO. Uh, WHO controls YouTube. So basically, Bill Gates decides. Well, we can say and not say on YouTube. Yeah. And you know what's even crazier on top of that is that the WHO has stated more than once that they don't recommend lockdowns for the main, the primary source of, you know, containing whatever. And yet all these governments are doing that as their primary source of control. So who is not allowed to challenge the WHO? Just people covering what's happening today, right? It's just, it's counterintuitive across the board. It's ridiculous. I just, well, I just another thing in this SPARS document is they want to do models because it takes place between 2025 and 2028. And one of those models, the ideal model, is a UN-based society. So in other words, if, if you're the UN model, then everything's gravy and it's the best thing since breakfast. Now, instead, they chose a quote-unquote echo chamber model where we're more divided than ever, okay? And it, it's, it's pretty crazy when you read it because they also say that this one, this virus, which is almost identical to COVID-19, except for it has a high mortality rate in children as well as another motivator, okay, is that it's caused by climate change. And it's another zootroponic disease. So in other words, bat, pangolin, horse, fist in your ass, whatever, you know, whatever anybody wants to believe. But it doesn't come from a lab or anything like that. It's nuts because it also sets up a compensation fund via the government and it, it says that these kids get neurological disorders, but when the lawsuits come, they, they have so much money that they can buy off the parents. And instead of white supremacy, they're actually concerned with African-Americans. They name Tuskegee by name, but also Muslims. And it isn't convenient that this attack on our now militarized capital with a zombie in office that's not awake four hours a day is a militant black Muslim who's associated with black supremacist Louis Farrakhan. So no, it gets it gives them an out on their equity as well now because now if you're a bow tie Muslim, you're just as bad as the white supremacists. And we're allowed to say that because you charge the capital. Just food for thought. Well, and that's the thing. That's why all these events are kind of similar because I mean, you look at the things like 9/11. Obviously, you know, there's documents that what was going to happen happened. 
Um, they, you, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the CDC investigation by full measure, but it was a real interest when the CDC basically got caught lying. Uh, this guy, this representative started recording the phone calls with the CDC because they were basically telling people that even if you had COVID, you should still get the vaccine. And he's like, well, that's not right. There's no scientific evidence that that even makes any sense that it would be useful at all if you already um, had the the uh, the virus. Also, risk. And, uh, also added yeah. risks. They said from the beginning, if you you shouldn't take it while you were possibly exactly sick. yeah beginning. So he started recording the phone calls, and and full measure has it of the CDC representatives actually saying like, yeah, you're right. There isn't any scientific evidence. We shouldn't be recommending that. We'll take that down. Then like weeks go by. He calls him again, calls him again. Then the representative he talked to who is apologizing, like two days later does an interview on some public, you know, uh, news or whatever, some mainstream media and starts basically just doing the same thing of like suggesting that yes if you've already got the virus you should still get the vaccine and he's like okay now it's not a mistake now it's just like they're blatantly lying and it's just like i mean obviously we don't need more evidence but some people do i mean some people need a, it's like people think the cdc you can trust the cdc they think you can trust the who they you know it, it's like how much more evidence do you need i'm, I'm like massimo where it where it's like if you don't want the information now if you're not convinced yet there's nothing i'm gonna say that's gonna convince you like they're just it's to me it's just almost so obvious like what else do you need ricky well that's you gotta realize, kind of the... like sorry. i'm sorry but today in on uh this uh cnn clip they had a representative from IBM talking about a trust triangle, okay, with their new COVID pass. The irony of the fact that IBM, an American company, helped exterminate not only Jews, not only gypsies, not only the mentally handicapped, but also dissidents with their first calculation machines, and nobody went to jail. Nobody was part of the Nuremberg trials. None of that happened. No one was held accountable. It didn't come out until I believe it was uh, the late 80s, early 90s through Edwin Black's research should be extremely alarming that the same people that want your trust tri triangle literally less than a generation ago helped exterminate an entire class of people with the Nazis. That's how hardcore this is. And now we're on a digital trail of tyranny where it's over. The track trace database society's already been here. This is the takeover. This is the medical martial law tyranny of total control, my friend. I'm, uh, I just printed out our governor. I'm, I'm, I live here on the west coast of Florida, and uh, Ricky is familiar with that. But I just printed out the, um, uh, the office of the governor executive order number 2181. And it was amazing. I was just reading through this, and I said, how basic and how forthright is this just for the basic human rights? Every governor, like Jason said, should stand forward and say, hey, this is what our citizens deserve. Uh, this ties in, I think, perfectly with the state's rights, and each state has the Tenth Amendment. They can push back against the federal government. They can push back against federal agencies and say, hey, what you suggest or what you mandate for us to do is not in the best interest of our citizens. And Jason's right. Aside from the governor of uh, South Dakota, I don't see anybody else stepping up uh, to join Governor DeSantis on this. And it's not that difficult. He's he's putting all of his political um, capital and everything on the line here. And it, it's going to come back in, in, in spades in, in, in a good way. And he's got 22 million people to be responsible for. We're not talking about a small state like Massachusetts or Rhode Island, not taken away from, you know, their uh, 
commonwealths, but we're bigger than a lot of small countries in, in the world. And I think this is a great way to set an example. So getting back to your, to your rights, it's not that hard to do. You just need strong leadership and somebody that has some backbone and fortitude. And a lot of people don't realize that he was a, a former JAG officer in the Navy for eight years. He went to law school at Harvard and Yale. And uh, so he, he has the ability to see the bigger picture. And he knows what the legal ramifications are. So not only is he saving our attorney general's office a lot of money, he's saving the, the will and the, and the rights of the citizens at the same time. And I, I think it's a brilliant move. I'm very, very blessed and very pleased to be able to live here in, in Florida. Yeah. My issue, though, with this this situation, and it goes back to the vaccine passport thing, is that, you know, mm-hmm. we have, the, I mean, it's a, 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 a unequivocally a good thing, right? I don't care what, going away from what's happening is a good thing, period. Oh, but yeah. the problem is, though, is that I don't trust, I don't know about you guys, I don't trust any politician. I don't care if it's left or right. I don't care if it's my state. I don't trust these people. So what they're doing now seems to be obviously beneficial politically to people like us that are going to go, yay, he's a good guy, you know? So I'm very concerned about that. And and whether or not it is, does it then do away with the actions that have been taken thus far, right? Even DeSantis, even Florida, Florida's one of the best, but there were still actions that were taken that that were unjust, in my opinion, right? Yeah, let me say this. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me finally pan out my no, thought here. Good. You're making a good point. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I just want there's two things there. One is is that and and whether or not they should be held accountable from before and then whether or not even if they stop it, they're still going to allow the people and the businesses to enforce it, which is what the government seems to be wanting to do anyway. Right. So please go ahead. Sorry, I just want to get that in there. No, I get it. Um, I want to make it pretty brief. Uh, Missouri worries me. Right. Because this guy said he's not going to mandate it, but he has no problem with private businesses coercion. I've already played the clips of the wellness health safety seal. Your small business is going to have to renovate. They want to nationalize it. I totally agree with you. But I also see the danger. Look, we, we can already agree for the most part. We have a uni party. Right. And, you know, they're owned by the same people. However, to put that on paper, when Joe Zombie Joe says he doesn't know if there's going to be a Republican party in four years. That just means they're going to take the corruption to such a level and gaslight to such a level that local uh, elections, governor elections are going to be so corrupt that they will create their uni party. And I think that puts us in an even worse position, Ryan. So I'm totally with you. I trust none of these bastards. But at the same time, can you imagine living in a country where there is a uni party or the road to that uni party? I think there's, there's almost no doubt that is when violence starts to trigger off. With, without I mean, any exception. I, I live in California. We have a uniparty here. It sucks. <laughs> well, they're going for the international uniparty with their international infrastructure calls. And we all know this is the UN agenda and this is what they want to model everything after. So it's not just going to be the country that's the uniparty. It's going to be the worldwide uniparty. Hooray! Excuse me, guys. Uh, I just want to say goodbye to everybody because I really can't stay awake anymore. I'm falling asleep. Oh, yeah. I'm getting old. And uh, thank you, everybody, for, for having me. And it's, it's been nice to to hear from the other side of the pond. Hey, Massimo. My name is thank Brian Christian. I just wanted to introduce myself. I never got to say hi. I, I appreciate you being here as well. Enjoy, yes. enjoy the conversation. Myself. Thanks to everybody. Thank you. Good night. Good evening. Good night. Thanks Thanks for doing thank you. Job. Hey, guys, I, I owe you all an apology. I had my mic muted. I So anyway, I think we got it fixed. So. So there's, so there's there's a little bit of clicking, Chris, when you when you uh when you talk. Like, are you guys hearing that a little bit? Like a little tick or something? Like something's next to your mic. I've got it on the um my uh, laptop here, so I'm not sure. I'm not touching anything. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Well, Chris, you were, you were going to say something a minute ago when I was talking. Did you want? Were you going to? No, you know? no, that's fine. It's you're right. I mean, it's hard to trust politicians. So there is an underlying uh, current here. It's like, okay, you know, he's a great governor, but what is the end game here? And um, what I've seen him do, even on, on local television, he's he slammed Disney World. He slammed some of the big corporations and said, hey, you know, you, you can uh, make all the rules you want, but this is how it's going to be run out of the governor's office. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going for the, the private citizen. You're not going to shut down businesses. You're not going to coerce them. You're not going to make them uh, have vaccines. And they did pass another, a lot of people aren't aware of this. Um, they did pass another piece of legislation that, will make it illegal for people to um, sue venues, those that want the vaccines, uh, under the guise of uh, putting, you know, people are in danger by going out to a rock concert or a football game. So that takes that whole layer away of litigation, litigation away, and people are going to have more freedom to go back and do what they were doing in the first place, you know, more than a year ago. So, you know, 90% of me is saying, okay, this guy's at least heading in the right direction, and we need more people to step up. Um, but what's really sad, and it's like, geez, you know, I, I, only, I lay in bed awake at night and I says, what did it take for us to get our basic freedoms, you know, stripped away? Why do we have to go through this to get back where we were even 18 months ago? This is insane. And, I, and everybody's bringing up a different point on, and a, you know, a different view on that. But we should, we should not be doing this at all. Um, anyway, just kind of venting, but... It just makes you think when you, you see documents like this. And I, I see what our governor is doing and everybody else is just sitting on their thumbs or they refuse to say anything. And that's a disgrace. What I think it should show us, in my opinion, is that it's always, not always, but it's, this isn't where the change happened. It's already happened, right? 9-11, before that, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm with you, man. It's, it's hard because people are fearful and they're willing to give up things that they aren't even able to give up if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like these are inherent rights and they're like, yeah, you know, government do what you want. And this is the problem. This is actually what I was, I was looking, I was hoping to jump in there and ask Massimo is, you know, I talk about the false majority a lot, you know, and I know there's a lot of people and rightly so people that d disagree outright or think that doesn't make sense. But what are your guys thoughts on that in general? If you don't mind me asking a question, Ricky, what, what do you think about, you know, the, the possibility that we are far more than we think we are, right? Like that there's more of us that believe what we're saying. And then more than just the people that are right with us, I would argue that that middle ground is bigger than we think it is. Like the people that are like, well, I don't know, but I'm going to go along because I don't want to get yelled at by the Karen on the street or whatever, you know? And that if we just get them to recognize that they're not alone, that all of a sudden, you know, what do you guys think about that? It's, you know, it's at the I very least wishful thinking. That's exactly what it is. I think there's a huge number of people who are too scared to say anything. They're not empowered. They feel alone. The media has done a great job of making people feel like this is insane to question anything and you're crazy and, you know, and there's real consequences to it. You're going to get fired you're gonna, like this and that. So there's got to be a huge number of those people. Um, I don't know how you get those people to like admit it and like wake up and realize because if we did all know the real numbers, then I think it would be over like that. When you when you get people like one on one or in small groups and everybody's putting their phone down and you can just talk to them, it alleviates confusion. And I have a, a working theory that um, since consent got manufactured by the time the ink was drying on the Patriot Act, we've been the primary role of the media has been to put us in a state of manufactured confusion. Uh, the easiest way to control people 
is to confuse the hell out of them because when they are, they're afraid. And if you're afraid, you can be way more easily manipulated. So, so that's what has happened. That's where we are right now. And I agree with you a hundred percent, Ryan. I, I do. And I was watching the show uh, with Charlie that you did where you guys talked about that. And from that point on, I've been making a point, uh, uh, you know, when I can work it in when we're live to be like, and by the way, this is, you know, I really do. I think that, if if we can all in our way do what we can to alleviate some of that confusion you know in smaller groups of people in person that that's how we can get more people to realize this because when we do go to an event and uh, you know then we could like i don't in larger groups of people when everybody gets it you can tell mm -hmm. you know you, and, you, and that's you, a really good point when you talk to people in person and you're one-on-one -on -one and you take the opportunity to be like, you know, you don't try to attack them. You know, it's different when you see people from different sides meeting up at a protest, you know, it's like, because you're already there defending a team, but when you're just like casually talking and you don't, they're not looking at you like you're the enemy and you're not looking at them like they're the enemy and you're just like putting things out there and you're like, ah, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. And that doesn't make a lot of sense. And it, you know, it, the, the vaccine's not even FDA approved. It's it's experimental. They, they're not even doing animal trial. Like you just put out some information. They'll quickly be like, yeah, you're right. That doesn't make a lot of sense. You're kind of right. You know? So um, there is a, a book and a documentary and, and I don't necessarily agree with everything in it, but merchants of doubt that uh, it's called merchants, uh, merchants of doubt. And it's about how, like, if you just give enough information, even if it's conflicting, you don't ha you win because a lot of people just throw their hands up and they just say, well, I don't know what to believe. So I'm just going to go with what the TV says, you know? And uh, so it works. You don't have to even debunk the debunkers or any, you know, you don't, there's no debunking necessary. Just throw out everything, throw out so much information that most people are just going to be like, like, I don't know what to believe. And, and I'm sure we've all heard that from people, right? Like there's so much conflicting information. I don't know what to believe. So I'm just going to play it safe and wear a mask. I'm just going to play it safe and stay at home, you know? So I think the difference though, is that what you're describing there is winning argument versus convincing them of the fact that they're incorrect, right? Because if they just walk away and go, I don't know, right? That kind of leaves them in a same point where they're like, well, and I, what I actually argue is that, is that this situation has been designed to where people are driven to apathy, you know, where they're like, oh, I don't even know. That's fake news. That's fake news. I'm just going to listen to what the government tells me. You know, I think that's like the design there, you know, what I've taken to doing is trying to, I'm still trying to like remember and commit myself to doing this, but you engage with somebody and instead of coming out and being like, you know, you're incorrect and here's why, you know, be like, you know, yeah, you know, I agree. I'm right there with you. But, you know, I did see this study the other day that made me think, you know, so you start off by, and, you know, there's a level of dishonesty to it, a white lie, if you want to call it that. But the idea is that you, you let, you let, they let the guard down, you know, where you, where you're like, where you, 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 you have common ground with somebody. And then you bring in the study that challenges the whole thing. And then because you're already on their side, they look at the study with a different perspective and go, okay, what this guy agrees with me. So let's see what this says and go, whoa, that's different. It's just, I'm just, it's just a thought, you know, a different way to come at this because a lot of people are immediate because we know they're being trained by the mainstream media to just dig in no matter what. I'm right, you're wrong, you know? I think there's a bigger problem than just mainstream media. I think it's kind of this infotainment society we've had for the last 20 plus years too. Like, especially the infotainment celebritard culture. For instance, you know, I just played this health, health and wellness symbol that they're trying to put everywhere. Who's pushing it? Lady Gaga, Serena Williams. Um, I'm not even done. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, Deepak Chopra's there. Wolfgang Puck is there. Robert De Niro is there. And for you and I, 
we've read all these white papers, spars included, talking about how we'll get Hollywood celebrities, we'll get influencers. They even talk about social media influencers now in some of these white papers to uh, speak our message. So now you've got someone that you, you associate with not only like a position of authority, a position of real empathy and love. Like you you fell in love with your husband or your wife to that Lady Gaga song. That's where you saw them for the first time. I'm dead serious. Uh, you wore Serena Williams' sneakers for a decade and a half. Deepak Chopra is your favorite guru, et cetera, et cetera. Robert De Niro was in The Godfather, brother. So now there's that. That there's that level to it. I mean, we always had the Elvis Presley and the Nixon connections, but now that we've been totally absorbed and immersed in that, uh, coupled with the fact that anything that can go against them culturally and visually, such as a loose change, such as a pandemic documentary, it no longer gets to gestate for months and even years. You've got hours, days, and a week at best <laughs> to combat that same thing. So, so you know what? I try to pierce that. I'm like, I'll, I'll try to see what they're into. And if I can find one of those people that I know is on the dole on the payroll, I'll show them a little white paper and go, you know, they hire these people, right? This is just like a paid tweet, right? Like, they don't actually believe this. I don't even know if they're taking it. Like Ryan Reynolds for shame, bro. Like you're, you're rolling up your sleeve and joking about, everybody's joking about microchips and the birds aren't real. We're in a fucking real situation here, guys. And I don't take kindly to uh, jokes about my enslavement. And, uh, you know, like I totally agree with Ricky with the one-on-one -on -one stuff. That's where I'm the most effective when I'm having a beer and we're at Hooters and we like the same yeah. things. But unfortunately- Hooters is what you guys like. Well, I, I like Hooters here because number one, they don't have any- uh, uh, any plexiglass up. There's no signs. There's no stickers. Uh, it's just like, I like going down to the bars here because there's nothing. No one's wearing a mask. Um, I, I, I like Hooters here. All right, whatever. Listen, the point is, it's when you go to. See, I'm being real. I want all these things, but I don't want to have to fucking scan a QR code to do them. I don't want to have to wear three muzzles. I don't want an anal swab. I don't want you in my garbage, period. And never in history are you going to make the no shoe, shoes, shirt, service argument when that's my medical record and not what I'm wearing to keep my dong in place. Like, what is going on? This is the nuttiest thing in the world. And, and I think that you got to approach it there. You, you go with comedy. I've been blessed by moving to Iowa to now I just called a triple MMA event. You know, one time we had to warn people about masks. Basically, the staff was instructed to shut their mouth this time. And you know what we had? Hundreds of people enjoying themselves without masks, drinking beer, watching fights, living life, going to the after party. Okay. And no one died. No one got sick. I haven't heard of a hospitalization. Granted, a lot of these people are in good shape, hence they're MMA fighters. But at the same time, their parents came, their grandparents came, their cousins came. I saw trucker bellies. So we got to stop the bullshit. And that's how you got to show people. You got to invite them to an event. It's like, dude, I'll, I'll spot you a couple hundred bucks. Drive a few hundred miles. Come to one of these things. I'll take you out for a steak. You'll live a life for 48 hours without all these restrictions. And then you'll go back and you'll be like, what the fuck am I doing? And okay. I, I don't know any other way because the way they portray it on the media is they're not showing you Florida that's wide open. They don't want you to see the beaches. They don't want you to see these events. They're going to downplay the UFC out in Texas. They want the much, but here's the thing, like even with DeSantis, this is what the Miami Heat are doing. 
So you'll still have to have your vaccine only section. Guess what? You got the vaccine. You're still wearing your mask in the seats. Guess what? You want to sit near the vaccine section. You're going to have to show that you got a negative PCR test in 48 hours. So now you're not even in like the special section. You're just close to the special section and you need it there. That's how whacked out it is. So any of that stuff, you see a wellness health, health safety seal. You see an Excelsior pass. You say no. You don't go. You call them. You say, I'm outside. I will never do business with you again on every level. They have put this into place in my small little town outside in Little Falls for the performing arts centers. So now basically, if you you got a kid with a dream that wants to be an actor, they're going to have to be part of this and so are their parents if they want to go see him at a play. This is all going to be massive coercion and it's just no I mean, we, we, it's the no fuck you campaign. I don't know what else to say. You know, I'll say this. I hope Iowa and Kim Reynolds get with what DeSantis is doing. I am encouraged because she just loosened to gun restrictions where a guy like me that's never owned a weapon can just magically have one now and defend myself without a permit, without registering it. So smart move. I'm glad I live here. Good job, Kim. Get on the bandwagon, getting rid of the fucking passports because Illinois is going to be in on that. All right. And I'm sorry. I went to a foul mouth rant. Go ahead. (laughs) One thing I want to piggyback off something that Ryan said, and when it has to do, we're uniquely qualified to talk to a lot of people about this sort of stuff with the the COVID situation because of the years that we've been talking to people about false flags and things like that. And one of the things that I have figured out over the year after doing it wrong for many times is that when you're trying to have this conversation with somebody as James Corbett would call him like a normie, right? Somebody that's not up to speed on this. It's very important to make it a dialogue and not a monologue because when you just open up a fire hose of information on some poor bastard, it never goes well. They feel like this, like, don't do that. It's too much information. But if you frame, if you frame it a different way, if you come at them with, Hey man, help me out. As Ryan said, it's, it might be, it might start off a tiny bit dishonest, but you go, Hey man, help me to understand this. Like, what do you make of, what do you make of this situation here? It seems so crazy that they're doing X, Y, and Z. And the person goes, I didn't know about that. Or I had never thought about that. Uh, I don't know. You're like, well, yeah, it seems like incongruent with reality that they're doing this and that the, the other people aren't doing it. How does that, what do you think of that? And the guy goes, I never thought of it. And you go, ah, now I'm getting somewhere because that's the problem is you've never thought of it. And now you, you'd think that you, we all make the assumption that the people are thinking about all this stuff. They're not. They're just reacting. They're just NPCs, a lot of them just going along or they, they catch a little bit of the media. And like you guys said, oh, better be safe than sorry, right? I just wear the mask just to be safe. But they've never really had the conversation. We have the conversation. We do it. We interview people or we write about it or we talk about it all the time. So to us, we just make the assumption that everyone is kind of talking about this, but a lot of them are not. They are just barely functioning as human beings, just struggling to get through a day. And they have never really analyzed some of these things. So we have to kind of remember that, you know, you can't drop black belt knowledge on a white belt right off the bat or you'll break their brain. And so it just has, it's been my experience after mistakenly bringing up 9-11 at a Thanksgiving dinner many years ago (laughs) and watching the table turn on me. You've got to know your audience and you've got to have your arguments straight. You know, you've got to have the information, but there's also a way to do it that 
makes them feel included in the uh, dialogue and not just the victim of a monologue. I think the only way that you actually get to the next step is when, although they haven't analyzed it or they never thought of that, the people who are ready to hear one little thing which will open the door are the people who it has registered in their minds that there is incoherence in the story, that cognitive dissonance is there, and they just feel that they, because they don't focus on it all the time, and I actually think it's a plot, like progressive taxation and keeping people working constantly. The first act of an adult is to take on massive amounts of school debt and just work, 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 that they know that there's something not right. They don't really understand about the narrative, but they think it's their fault for not really being able to, being able to follow it. So I find that the people who are really worth or who are, you know, you might want to take the time with are the ones where they say, yeah, that didn't make sense. But because it has to already be a little doubt in their minds. And then you provide a coherent narrative that makes more sense to them than the, than the one they're trying to catch up with. That does not make sense. Like you, who was saying about the CDC having this conversation and saying, well, like, this doesn't make sense. And other people notice that, too. Yeah, I thought the story said that if you had it already, you shouldn't get the vaccine. When did that change? And they say, you know, it did not change. And then you have to pull on those threads for them. And you can kind of connect this to the moon landing because even now, the same way that, you know, they use the moon landing to win the, uh, you know, the, the proxy or the Cold War with uh, Russia. Now they're demonizing the Sputnik vaccine because of the same reasons, because they're still it's like they don't care about your health. They just care about, you know, being the dominant empire. So that like they don't know they're not demonizing it because they know it doesn't work or whatever. They're demonizing it because they want you to buy, you know, their drugs, you know. And so it's funny how you still kind of see that play out. And you look at like historically, I mean, how many of, of these conflicts, uh, you know, geopolitical conflicts have been proxy wars, you know, North, North Korea, South Korea. You look at like, oh, just all over the world, you know, all these conflicts, you always find out that the U.S. was funding one side and that the Soviets or some other, usually the Soviets are funding the other side, you know. So it's uh, it's there's always other things happening. Everything's a grand chessboard. And I think the majority of people, like, like Sam said, uh, I mean, Charlie said, it, it's just they're kind of just they just want their lives back they just want to go on with their day and they don't spend too much time thinking about this stuff we're like we're all in our positions because we have spent time thinking about this so when you start putting things in perspective and a lot of it's like i'm sure you guys saw press for truth uh the 9-11 documentary and you know they talk about the 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 new jersey the jersey uh widows they talk about how they found that website right and then the website that kind of connected all the dots and the guy who created the website i forget what his name was but the guy who created the 911 website he talked about how all the dots were there but nobody ever put them all together right so and that to me was always really important and, and always stuck with me because it's like, yeah, I mean, so many people know, like they see this little story. And I think in the documentary, he kind of explains it this way. He's like, you see this little story. It's like, yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But you go on with your day. And then maybe a week later, a month later, you see another story. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But once you get somebody to gather all those stories and put them together, you're like, oh, my God, like now it's all clear. So, I mean, that's why... 
it is important to continuously talk about this. And like some people will see something that doesn't make sense. But then when you talk to them about it, and you're like, okay, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? No, not really. And then well, how about this? And how about that? And you give them enough things. We're like, okay, now it's not coincidental. You can't just say these are all just coincidences, you know? So, um, yeah, I think we, I should probably should have had a question after my long rant. Well, I have nothing. Ricky, let me say this um, with the Jersey girls thing. Cause I think there's something we, we haven't brought up that we're also up against, even if you kind of pierce that veil. You talked about the Jersey girls and them finding this information and going on. Well, they actually lost family members. Now, here's the difference. So they're not going home to their husband. They see that maybe they're going home to their kid, but they're, they're dwelling on that death. When they go home now, they go home to their husband that's still there or wife that's still there that still has these views and their parents that still have these views and their wife's parents that still have these views and they're up against their entire family. So now, even if you believe this stuff and you want to uproot yourself, you know, my brother's in that right now. You know, he's got a daughter about to graduate high school who's been through the ringer. He's losing it. He just had another baby girl. He's got a kid that's now three years old and it's going to be in the school system. His wife's a teacher, you know. Yeah, you think that he wants her to get the, the boop boop? She's going to get the boop boop. All right. She wants to stick around. She wants to jump through every single hoop. Like you saw the daily pass for LA. They're doing that in New York. It's QR code time there right now, right now. That's upstate New York. Okay. He wants out. How does he leave his family? His family won't leave. And now he's, he's now, he's still, you know, mentally there, but there's a lot of people that will look at that and just say, well, we can't do that. Let me give you another example. I did the Chrissy Mayer podcast, right? Uh, if you know who Chrissy Mayer is. And obviously, uh, I talked about what this real agenda is. I told her automation nation, transhumanism, social credit score, you name it. She woke up in the middle of the night from a nightmare. <laughs> she said something to her boyfriend about the nightmare. And he turned to her and he said to her, no Jason Burmas for a month. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's reality, bro. And, and that really happened. We had that DM back and forth and it's cute and I like her stuff and I get it, but I don't even think I'm that hardcore, bro. I don't, I'm not, I just, I, I'm just, I'm telling it like it is. I, I think I have more than a fourth grade education. I can do basic math. I can do basic uh, reading. You know, I can read faces and emotions. A lot of people, maybe I have, that's a lost art in this social media age, but to me, you know, it's reaching on a human level. But remember, you're up against a whole programming narrative, a whole infotainment culture, a whole culture that is is embedded in their ways, doesn't want to leave their farmhouse, doesn't want to get out with a picket sign, just wants to imagine they're going to take this thing and take their masks off. I played three clips of that today from Connecticut. In fact, aren't you in Connecticut, Ricky? No, I'm in Massachusetts, not too far from Connecticut. I'm close to the, the, the line, the border. Well, they just did a big propaganda piece. Uh, I just played it on Mixed Martial Mindset before this, where they're going for the Covey pass. And, you know, by the end of it, it's the woman in the cart with her family, with a bunch of toddlers that still have the masks on, saying, I just want this to end and get the masks off. Well, I got news for you. Windstar is having their cruises go. You have to get you have to prove that you've been double vaccinated to get on the cruise. Guess what you still have to do? You still have to wear your mask and you still have to social distance. If you got the double boop boop out in the UK, you want to leave the country for holiday? Sorry. No, no, no. We've made it illegal 
and it's a five thousand dollar fine. So anybody that thinks that if they acquiesce to this and give in to this and take whatever shot they want you to, that it all just goes back to normal, are kidding themselves. That's another thing that we actually have to address with these people. But it's so hard, man. I wish I had the answers. I wish I was, you know, Keanu Reeves. I'm not. <laughs> I love the double boop boop. I feel like somebody from Big Pharma is going to steal that to market vaccines to kids. I just get the double boop boop. It's a little boop boop. <laughs> well, even people who do uh, like know that will still take the vaccine. It's just this delusion. Like you have to give yourself something. Like, oh my god, I just want to think they cannot accept like the magnitude of it and the darkness of it. And they're like, you know, I've talked to people who know, and they were there for the swine flu vaccine way back whenever. What was that? Seventy something, whatever. <laughs> and they know that people got sick and they got maimed and they got you know their whole life destroyed. And and they're talking about it and they're like, well, I just have to though because I have to try. It's like they're like, this is the tiniest little carrot and they just have to go after it. And it's so sad. It's so heartbreaking. And I don't know if you if you can get someone to the point where they acknowledge that it could be deadly and horrible and the hoax and all these things, but they're still going to get it. Like, I just don't even know. Man, that has a carrot, right? It did. I was in D.C. a couple of weeks ago. We had some uh, we had some events that we hosted afterwards. I got to hang out with a friend of mine that like I was in a band with 20 years ago. We like lived together. Known this dude a really long time. And <clears throat> I had him. I did like I was at his house for two days and, and there was like one other person there and she was there with me. So like he was pretty much captive and I had him. I did. And he took me to the airport and he drove home and his roommate got back and oh, like an hour later. Like, he's texting me. He's like, yeah, but what about this? And I'm like, dude, this is the exact thing that we broke down and dissected. And you agreed with me not eight hours ago was, you know, legit. And just. Well, that reminds me of, uh, well, you guys know Deborah gets red pilled, right? That, that uh, I just did that show. It was fantastic. Yeah, did you? yeah. So the fact that Deborah can have hours and hours, first of all, how she, I mean, it's, it's almost like she's agreed to be waterboarded. I mean, it's crazy that she's like literally like saying, Hey, I'm going to do, uh, I'm cool with ha having hours and hours of conversations with people who are going to tell me I'm wrong and my whole world view, view is wrong. So if people have never, uh, heard of the podcast, Adam has his mother in law come on a, uh, do podcasts with them and he has guests come on and can, she's like very left-leaning California CNN loving person and but it just kind of goes into what Steve's saying like she and I've heard Adam say this on the show like it seems like he's making progress right on the show and then soon after like she puts on cnn and she's almost back to where she was you know and to some people that's an issue like you know you you kind of you're chipping away you're chipping away and then they put on the news and it's like you're right back where you started well that's they say right that you have to encounter something a certain what is it eight times 12 times i don't remember but some number of times before you can really you know, grasp onto it and put it into your mental schema. And like, that's part of your thought system now. And so that kind of makes sense, right? I mean, they're going to have to change the show to Deborah gets black pilled someday. <laughs> right. Well, but Jason, have you had any luck with Hooter girls uh, talking to them? <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. That's a loaded question. Wow. Uh, there is one, <laughs> one bartender, uh, girl, not, not, not from Hooters, but that, that I've definitely talked to. Um, that's actually a nurse. Who wasn't going to take the boop boop anyway? And um, you know, it started as a conversation 
about some Q and nonsense because somebody brought that and I could see the disgust in her face. And I was very happy to see that disgust. Um, but then I, I took it and I said, I started talking about, you know, Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey and Dennis Hasser and Jeffrey Epstein, like the legit people. And she was like, no, that's all real. And I go, I get it. You know, that's why I'm so upset about all this stuff that's making the news. And we had a really good conversation about everything and she seemed to get it. So I, I have had good conversations out here. But to go back to Carrots and uh, CNN especially, has everybody seen the CNN carrot clip where they lay out what this is really about with the freedoms? Can we play that on here? I have it right, right ready to go. I'd love to play it for everybody. Yeah, play it because it's it's super important because they're literally publicly discussing their issue with like, oh, we don't want states to open up and, and then people not get the vaccine. Like it, it just it's so obvious that it's all about getting the vaccine and just pushing the vaccine. It's not about anything else. So yeah, just play it if you have it. I, I have it. I want to play it, but I want to really reiterate carrot on a stick. A carrot on a stick means you just keep going and you never get it. Okay. That does, there is no reward. And that is how this is actually put out. But then they want to tell you they're going to reward you with your freedoms. But the problem is that if you see other people enjoying their freedoms, not reaching for that carrot, doing whatever, then they're not going to do it. So let's just play the 40 second clip clear to them that the vaccine is the ticket back to pre-pandemic life. And the window to do that is really narrowing. I mean, you were mentioning, Chris, about how all these states are reopening. They're reopening at 100%. And we have a very narrow window to tie reopening policy to vaccination status. Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? How are we going to incentivize people to actually get the vaccine? So that's why I think the CDC and the Biden administration needs to come out a lot bolder and say, if you're vaccinated. You can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have because otherwise people are going to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway. <laughs> so you, can't have that. You're going to go out and do it anyway? I mean, yeah. this is the lunacy that we've come to that they're trying to say that you no longer have freedoms because you don't take an unproven medical dictate that they have indemnified those giving it to you. Corporate felons, by the way, many times over. <laughs> Oh, yeah. If they harm you in this woman is insane. This mindset is insane. And again, you can show that to that Stockholm syndrome CNN watcher a dozen times and they don't get it. They're not that she literally referred to you as like a pet, like a horse following a carrot on a stick. You know what they do with horses that don't listen or break something? They put them down. <laughs> I'm not a horse to be put down. You know, yeah. one thing I've noticed, the uh, thing that uh, objection I've been hearing a lot lately is people, you know, using this as like, you know, a new level of victimhood. You know, it's almost like they say, uh, you know, I know somebody who almost died or I have a relative that's on a ventilator right now or something like that. And that that in their mind, that excuses everything. And to me, it's like, OK, so, you know, somebody that almost died. And to me, what you're saying is, you know, you obviously wear a mask all the time and everybody, you know, hangs out, they hang out with wears a mask all the time. And so you've been sitting inside for the last year, eating junk food, watching Netflix, just destroying your immune system. And then, let me guess, you got a little sick. Somebody got a little sick that you know. And then it was the end of the world. And and uh, they thought that they were going to die. And then everybody was treating them like they were going to die. And so, of course, you're going to think that they almost died, right? And it's like, for me, it's like, I don't wear a mask, like in very, very limited situations here in Oregon. But uh, nobody I know wears a mask, you know, and nobody that they know wears a mask. And 
I don't know anybody that's gotten sick. So I think it's just complete different paradigms that we're all operating from. So I don't know. It's crazy. But isn't the argument like we're not saying that the virus can't harm some people? What we're saying is that, like, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not a per se a believer that the virus doesn't exist it could exist it could have came out of a lab it could i'm like to me that's not even important the point is they sold us on a virus that if you got you were gonna die and we needed to lock down the world for two weeks because everybody was gonna die if they got this virus there's videos of china from china people dying on the streets and that's the image they sold us that like even if you get this you're gonna die and and now it's just like oh we need to lower cases you know we need to lower like what the hell is a, a case I mean m- many people are just going to have like typical checkups or operations you know for bones or ligaments or whatever they're getting tested and like hey by the way you have it and those numbers are being counted so it's like what's a case so like to me it's like you know yeah you might know somebody who who's died of it and not just with it I mean I'm sure some of those cases exist even though obviously we know those numbers are being fudged but. There's also people who die of the flu, of cancer, of diabetes, of are we going to shut down the world for all those things? Like people die. That's a part of humanity. I mean, and and you don't take away people's freedoms for one specific thing. And and you're also, you know, if every number counts and every death matters, then how about the the vaccine deaths? Like those are completely being, oh, it's just no big deal, you know, so... But what you hit on right there is important, though, Ricky, is that it's the illusion of this is the big part, right? Whether or not, like everything you said is true, but add to that the fact that we, there's already been 10,000, tens of thousands of people dying from flu every year, or at least so we're told that even then they were combining that with pneumonia. It's always been an illusion, right? Now it's the same thing even more. They admit it. It's right on their website. Pneumonia, influenza, and COVID-19 are one number. Nobody knows that. And the, and the normies out there, because they just don't think it's true. It's listed right on the CDC. So that's a guarantee. That's an absolute fact. Are these numbers overblown? It's an absolute yes. To what degree is what we discussed. Then you got the PCR illusion. Well, we know as a matter of fact, it, the CDC's website says 30% false positives. Dr. Scoville PhD says 95 between 40 and 45 cycle threshold. The point is you add these things together. It's a guarantee that these numbers are not are lower probably dramatically lower than what we're seeing. So I, I'm with you, man. It, I, I, it comes to the point to, you know, are, is what we're being sold honest, right? You can, we can get into the lab discussion, which I, I've done shows on. It's very interesting. We can get into whether it might even not be present, but I argue both of those things is valid and, and, and we should be looking into. They're at the end of the day, taking away from the real point that right now we have verifiable information that this is false. 100%. The PCR is being used as an illusion. They're combining information. And as you said, they're adding information after the fact. We've had, we have on record saying I'm being very liberal with the death count. Or that woman, um, I don't know if it was Georgia, the black woman that said on the record, you know, no, well, you know, we're adding these in. Like we're, you know, just because someone died with it doesn't mean we're, you know, we're still, not, we're still adding that as a death. Or the person that dies in a motorcycle accident, the doctor says, well, we don't know they didn't die from COVID. That's a direct quote for fuck's sake. You know, it's like, uh-huh. this is an obvious point. And I think that's what we need to drill in on while still investigating these other parts, you know, because that's doesn't clear. This, doesn't this remind you, Ryan, of like the 9-11 and Jason, you know, quite well, the 9-11 uh, debate, how like people get so focused on like a little disagreement on, okay, did a, was it a bomb I, that I, hit the Pentagon? Was Pentagon. It yeah. it's like we, and then we lose focus of like the whole point. It's like, wait, wait, the whole point is that we're invading a country that has nothing to do with this. We were obviously lied to now, which lies we want to agree with or or disagree with or how you know how they lied or whatever like that stuff's not as important as understanding we're all on the same team 
and without a doubt, there's some fuckery. You know, well, let's say this. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that because I want to say it in, in a way that we won't get pulled <laughs> "quote unquote" medical misinformation. We Do now don't even have the ability to point to studies. For instance, like let's say there was a, another magical disease called Vivid nineteen, and Vivid nineteen had a study after numerous doctors said that a cheap steroid like budesonide worked in 90% of cases to keep people out for whatever, whether whether it's vivid 19 or just the flu or whatever, keeps you out of the hospital or urgent care 90% of the time. It also stops your symptoms and your fevers and long-term symptoms after 28 days. This is 90%. Okay, let's say we have those studies. We might for something other than vivid 19. We also have studies numerous ones with ivermectin for vivid 19 that in some say a hundred percent works as a prophylaxis and others say it treats it. There's about a dozen of these studies. The Argentinian medical one are there. Now, if you took those raw numbers, you did nothing else in this country and you have 330 million, you take the, the who number, cause we, we are all beholden to the lovable bunch at the world health organization of 0.6% mortality. In other words, and this is, Back in uh, August of this year, they put it out. It's Bloomberg. Anybody, anybody can look it up, 0.6%. So we got 330 million people in this country. <clears throat> that roughly accounts for, uh, when you talk about it, 0.6%, 1.65 million people if everybody got infected with the virus, right? But that's impossible. No one, no virus has ever infected everybody. We'll give them that number. Now, in, if you get rid of the prophylaxis of ivermectin, for vivid 19, of course, uh, and you just go with the budesonide, you will keep 90% of those people out of the hospital. Okay, so at most you can get is 10% of them dead. That's 165,000, 170,000 deaths that you would attribute to this thing if that's a f from the inflection point. So in other words, if you had this and you knew it and now the studies are out since February, this still isn't instituted as policy for these things. That And if you talk about those policies for something other than a fictional virus like vivid 19 <laughs> they pull your channel okay i've got two of my strikes for talking about ivermectin and playing the uh senate hearing clips so now we're in a really weird time because those numbers make sense and you say well they're saying 500,000 why don't we put my plan in now and at most what could we have another 60,000 deaths etc if everybody who got it got that treatment and it was as effective as the study you can't even say that now. That's a huge leap. Like, I can't point to the studies because it's doubt or misinformation, and they'll just call it misinformation. You should have every right to point to studies no matter what. But can I bring a conversation to the table that I think is slightly contentious in regard to that topic? Because sure. I, I'm with you on absolutely being able to discuss these things. We should research them. But I am I've, I don't get why it's become this... I mean, I do. It's I think it's a partisan thing for the most part. Not not you, Jason, but like the larger discussion. And uh -huh. ultimately, that the we're arguing which big pharma drug works better. How did that happen? Sure, right? Sure. Because we all these are all big pharma drugs, and these are all things that we before this were would have been like all of them we should be suspicious about. But then it became like a left versus right thing in the beginning, where it was like, no, this is the one. No, this is the one. And I feel like I, let me ask this as a question: Do you guys feel that could have been an intentional sidestep of the main point? You know, because we should know, and it, it all boils down to if we have the free choice, we should. 
you should be able to try what you want that you think might work, or you should be able to refuse the vaccine regardless of whether those are there. Because I know those are valid points into why that conversation is being had. But do we, are, are, are you, maybe just Jason, are you concerned that there is, that that conversation is meant to get us pointing at what we should be doing treatment-wise? Let me answer that because I think it's important because I, I would say this, because obviously the vitamin C and vitamin D studies for uh, vivid 19 <laughs> were out there very early. And I was talking about those studies as well, but all of those studies, at least the ones that you get in medical journals, were also coupling it with another corticosteroid, right? That's why I always made the caveat of steroids. So I guess that my point is that if I come to any kind of normie with just say in vitamin C or vitamin D immune system, sure that's there, but I can't point to a study, unfortunately, where those big pharma drugs aren't like the main focus. And I, I guess why have I gone with uh, budesonide mostly? You know, um, number one, you had all the testimonials. You had Bartlett doing it in Texas, right? You now have the Oxford study on it. It's extremely cheap. And I'll say this again. I believe that me and my family had this back in November of 2019. I've gone over this story. My sister was hitting my niece's inhaler and specifically cited in this Oxford study is the use of an inhaler and budesonide in that inhaler uh, in order to bring down these symptoms. And she saw a, a, a great reduction in her symptoms by doing that. So again, now I'm just going on by body and personal experience with you know what I've seen with my family. But again, I can't point to studies that are just natural. You're not wrong, right? But then think about the other things that they put out there. Dextromethasone, you know, they, they wavered back and forth on that. Remdesivir, now they're saying that's not effective either. Obviously, you have the demonization of hydroxychloroquine, which was there, you know, uh, I'm with you, especially when, you know, we talked about all these drugs and the felonies. Guys, we're talking about Johnson and Johnson and baby talcum powder. We're talking about Zantac, you know, like a heartburn med. <clears throat> That's how nefarious these people are. These things are on the shelf. We're talking about things like Roundup. So I I'm very much in agreement with you. But again, if you're going to bring the argument to normal people, you gotta have you gotta have the thing that you can bring up on the magic box that makes their eyebrow at least raise for that five ten seconds. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I've seen some incredible, like it, it's just it's obvious that there's things that are being suppressed in a lot of these discussions. I just thought that was an interesting point, you know, because I feel like it's you know what will make more sense to this individual, the normie, you know, to point out that the PCR test is verifiably not doing what they say it is, or to debate. It, you know, to get them in a partisan standpoint, you know, where they're going to be like, no, this one's the better one, you know, just an interesting thought project or th thought experiment, you know, it's, well, you know what we're talking about framing, how to get to them, you know, well, they're framing now this vaccine passport as a partisan thing, because you've only seen resistance from uh, Republicans. And I would argue, again, that the, the, the normies out there, there's plenty of Democrats that are like, whoa, whoa, buddy. I mean, come on, go back to the anti-war movement with Bush. All those home remedy mobs and natural paths, they identified with the Democratic Party. I'd imagine a lot of them still do, and they don't want a vaccine passport either. So yeah, go ahead, Steve. I'm sorry. I, no, I, I completely forgot what I was going to talk about, but I, I've seen the same like granola hippie moms that uh, I, I saw when I was dropping my now 15-year-old off at kindergarten who... <clears throat> Now that like I have another kid who's in second grade, those same moms like all their they've got sanitizer in the car, they've got sanitizer in their purse, they've got double masks. They, I mean, just bought it hook, line, and sinker, and it's like, dude, I. So here's what I'm here's what I'm saying to them now. Um, 
because this is i mean lindsay's been here it's it's a uh, uh it's like npr liberal central and like you know the hippieville it, it is man and, and so i'm like okay do you guys believe in qualified immunity for the police hell no why are you okay with qualified immunity in vaccine manufacturers why why just in general just in general like like you know, take take what vivid, vovid, rovid. Yes, vivid nineteen. Take that out of the question. Just in general, if you agree that the police shouldn't have qualified immunity, why is it okay for vaccine manufacturers? Dude, in uh, the my body, my choice. Well, and I I've said that too. Yeah, why is it only my body, my choice when it comes to you know whether or not you're you're going to abort? Well, well, that won't be an issue because if they get the vaccine, they might not be able to have kids. That's right, right. right. Depending point. on the vaccine, yeah, that, that could that could get handled whether you wanted to or not. What did they say with nineteen? I asked what they said. What was the response? But and nine times out of ten, it, it's. <laughs> I think you're muted, Steve. I'm kidding. Well, dude, and they're, they're psychological damage they're doing to their children. You're, like, wrapping your kid's face in fucking bullshit and, like, so sending them out into the world with these psychos everywhere. Like, this is fucked up. When I'm not in the school, school parking lot, I make sure they hear that particular one, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that point is uh, under discussed. I mean, these. I mean, obviously, we've seen over a hundred percent increase. If you guys have seen that in in teen, in teen and child suicide, over a hundred percent. That was a verified study. And th this is these kids are terrified. I mean, if these kids are taking their own lives because of what's happening, that's not just because they miss school. Like it's the, I, the what scares me is what you're saying. It's like you take these like you know three, four, five, six, seven year old kids that don't really grasp what's happening, and they just it's. They're, you are changing them irrevocably for the rest of their lives. And I think they know that. I just saw a kid. I think that's it was a, part of the intention, right? Because the psychological yeah. you're you're developing empathy based on people's facial expressions. And if you can't see that in the, your developmental stages, you're going to become a psychopath. Like this is a this is studied. We know this. They're doing this on purpose. I'm sure that's of so it. scary. I it's was going to say, I saw a three-year-old girl that was kicked off of an airplane with her parents today because she was eating. Had a mask even, but she was eating. Mm -hmm. that, I was like, oh my God. It's just, yeah. you're, that scares me. I wanna, I'd want i love mm -hmm. to talk about that. The, the psychopath, I've always talked about the comparison between the natural occurrence of what we know, like the per, general natural occurrence percentage-wise of what we think is, is psychopathy and sociopathy in society, and then compare that with the general percentage we have about politics pretty much aligns exactly it's really weird right so i've wondered how many if we're creating more psychopaths and more sociopaths with that that's just a scary prospect i don't know a single person and i've got i've got teenagers and i've got uh a, you know elementary schooler i don't know a single person with kids who doesn't have a kid who's in a mental health crisis of some sort right now like there is I just there is not a single well like it's just not not there. And there's a bunch of us that like have made sure that every day, you know, outside socializing, seeing other people around people that, that don't have masks on, that you know, they can see each other and communicate. And 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 even like even then, just because everybody else is so broken and everybody else's parents are so broken you know and everybody breaks differently so there's just all kinds of that just assaulted with 
And the truth is the kids pick up on social cues. I mean, before they establish language, that's how they kind of figure out what's going on is that they're figuring out through facial expressions and stuff like that. So you think about it, even the parents that are on our side of the debate and really aren't freaking out from the virus, we're upset and have anxiety anxiety or whatever it may be over like the fear of like the vaccine being pushed on people and all this other stuff. So you're either freaked out for... The, the wrong reasons or you're freaked out for the real reasons, but either way, the kids are sensing that and, you know, they're picking, I mean, my son who I do my best, I try to anywhere I can, I try to get away with him not wearing a mask. I have a mask exemption form that I maybe made up myself and I, and, uh, and it works and in most places and, and, but even him with like as normal as a life as I've tried to give him the last, you know, 12 months uh, or more, uh, he still ha- had moments where he was waking up crying, having nightmares that he was getting arrested for not wearing a mask. I mean, this was completely oh, imaginary wow. by himself. And I'm like, so think about the parents. And I, and I try to explain to him that like, hey, you know, it's just people are getting sick because they're not taking care of themselves, which is basically true. You know, um, people are dying because they're not taking care of their, their health. And and yet, like he's still having, you know, some noticeably um, some some effects by it. Now, think about the harm that the parents who are actually completely buying into this nonsense, who are legitimately afraid for their lives, freaking out, like think about how their kids are handling this and the the psychological negative effects you're putting on your children, because now they're, I mean, you're sharing all that anxiety. You're sharing all that fear. You're sharing all that, you know, all that, all those emotions with your children. They're sensing it. You know, you're telling them don't go outside or don't touch people or don't do this. Don't do that. I mean, it's just the long-term effects of all this. And to think that it's all for profit and, and power of like, tracking us and and pushing this vaccine this profitable vaccine on everybody i mean it just it's it's crazy i mean it just it makes me so upset and and that's why even this show which is supposed to be about false flags always ends up going back to covid because it's how do you ignore this issue i mean i know people have covid fatigue but like ryan i mean he's killing this topic over and over again because there's so much to talk about over and over again so it's like how do you ignore this it's changing our lives as we speak there is a false flag. Yeah. And yeah. it is a false flag, right? Yeah, There's no way to ignore it because it's now because this is the takeover. This is the last part. And, and listen, as far as the kids thing goes, you know, I think we're all going to have to navigate it because you could couple all the things you just said with also some people being put into extreme poverty for the very first time in their lives. You know, there are many people yeah. that worked that nine to five and had that job and had a certain level of living and were able to do that. That's, that's another extremity that's been put on these people. Forget about the small business owners. That's another one. Um, but speak to the kids thing, man. Uh, again, when we first got here and all of a sudden they ended school and the kid looked at me and goes, why did we move here if I can't go to school, Uncle Jason? And I like wanted to cry. I'll, I'm, I'm lucky. I, I made the right decision. It's become full circle where they're back in school full time. Wednesday is the only half day. Uh, my one niece literally just got student of the quarter. Uh, they were able to pe- play unmasked sports, which they wouldn't have been able to do in New York. There wouldn't have been even sports for them there. Forget about that. Uh, they're going into um, soccer coming up, also unmasked. My one is in drama. They, you know, it was just a little Easter vacation. They both did uh, play dates, sleepovers. Kids don't have masks. Their parents get it. You know, I'm lucky. You know, I, 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 I scoped out America. And I saw where's the least madness and the most common sense. 
And unfortunately, if you're not going to push for that in your community, you better do what I did. And, and I would rather that you push for that in your community, but it's going to take you saying no to the boop boop passport. It's going to say you, make you get out there and say no to this wellness sticker. It, it's going to be the hard conversations. Otherwise, man, pack up and get ready because they're ready to divide this country like they never have before. We ain't seen nothing yet. You thought 2020 was wild? Buckle up. We're, we're a quarter of the way through 2021 and we're still all focusing on 2020 because that's how bad people want everything to go back to quote unquote normal. We're almost halfway through the year, guys. I'm just, I want to point that out. It's going to be 2022 and we're going to still be talking about these same things in these extenuating circumstances unless something pops off. And we know that this system, it's beyond just control of all of us, man. You know what this is. It's that transhumanist agenda. It's the automation nation. It's subservience. It's total control. Hey, guys, I'm going to have to back out. I um, appreciate you inviting me, Ricky. I'll definitely be on again. I'd love to carry on this conversation. Let me close with, I don't know if you all heard of a school district that's about, I want to see about 50 miles due west of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, between the parents and the students and the teachers, faculty, all the support staff, about 3,500 people. They went through this whole thing. They did not stop. They had their football games, their basketball games, their wrestling, their cheerleading, the proms, the, the homecomings, everything, all the way from K through high school. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a prime example, not only of economic control, but of my control. And the, the folks, for lack of a better term, that are moving the chess pieces around the board on this whole case, they're seeing, okay, what are we willing to tolerate? And what are we willing to put up with and not, uh, not tolerate? And that school district is a prime example of how we should have, you know, a lot of school districts should have stepped up. And they took a vote early on before the school year started. And the school administrators, the principals, the school board directors said, hell no, we're not going to buy into this. And it's refreshing to see that many people and that much commitment from the parents and the students and the staff and the faculty pretty much put, stick a finger in the eye of the people that thought this was an okay thing to do. So anyway, I'm going to close with that. i got to head out. And uh, it's always it was an honor to be with you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Thanks, Chris, Chris. For, for being with us. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Thank Thanks. you. Take Chris. care. If, if you guys aren't familiar with Chris's work, he was a part of Free Mind Films. They did uh, State of Mind, The Psychology of Control, which is pretty relevant now. It goes through the whole history of how the elite and the techniques they use to control the masses, uh, you know, and it goes back quite a bit, you know, historically how, how they've done it. And he also did the OKC bombing, uh, Noble Lie, and then I'm sure I'm missing some other ones that he did. Oh, he did a Shadow Ring with um, James Perloff, I think, wrote it. And uh, and then they had Kevin Sorbo, Hercules, uh, do the narration. So that was a, a good one too. So uh, so yeah, definitely check out his work. But um, I, I know Mike needs to go, so we need to kind of wind it down a little bit. I wanted to uh, just I let everybody get a second to plug their their websites, plug their work. I know some of us have been banned and and you know off places or censored off places. So uh, let people listening who want to go into your work and explore your work. Let them know where the best places are to find you and support you. And uh, if anybody else wants to say anything, we, we, we got a couple minutes if you guys want to. Uh, I don't want to cut anybody off if anybody had anything else they wanted to add to the conversation before ending it. I, I just wanted to say that as a teacher of 14 years and who understands how sick school is and, and recovering from all of that. Um, but I just I cannot believe how many teachers are such cowards and would put children through so much suffering so that they could have like the slight chance of not getting something that only kills point like 
what is it, 0.4% of people or something, like less than the flu every year, uh, and that they'd be willing to do that. And I understand that they're scared and terrified too, but I just like, these are children you're doing this to. And so um, when Chris was describing that school where they didn't do that, I'm so proud that there are adults out there who have like their soul still intact and can do something like that. So I just wanted to say that if you're a teacher and you're shutting down school, you're harming children. And so you're not a good person. The end. I, I'd like <laughs> I've to, judged I, you. <laughs> I, agree, I agree with that completely. I'm so glad you said that too. There's some people deserve to be called out for things like that. I, I'd like to add something. I just thought people comment in the chat. I was thinking the same thing that, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I wish I would have gotten here on time. I thought I was, but I guess that I would just catch that false flag discussion because I'm, I'm a huge, I love talking about that topic, bringing it to the point of, you know, full circle, false flag to start COVID-19 we're talking about here. It's it's quite clear that, I mean, as it stands, what we're dealing with, I wouldn't categorize as a false flag because false flag needs to be blamed on somebody. And that's the point, right? But that's not over yet. And I think that is basically where this is leading. They're going to have to lay this somewhere, right? It's not going to be Trump. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be China probably. But, and I, but I personally think China and the U.S. are working simultaneously on a lot of things that are happening here. Probably pl plenty disagree with that. But I think we have to remember that this is being set up for something, right? There's going to be, there, this is going to lead somewhere. And that's what we have to be prepared for. So that's, that would be the false flag level of this. And so the point is, I agree. I do think this might be one of the largest false flags we've ever seen, but it, it might be designed to do something we've never really seen before. And that's going to shift the you know whole power structure. And that's all, like James Corbett's called the engineered fall of the West. Something to think about, right? But thanks for having me, Ricky and everybody else. It was uh, it's nice to be here. I'll, I'm definitely going to make some more. Yeah, you might've noticed, Ricky, I've been trying to push my time later and later, get used to it. So I saw I'm joined. Anyway, thanks, guys, for having me. But hey, Ryan, you want to let people know? Uh, I guess you can. You can start. You want to let people know where where they can find you and and how they can support you because we all need support and keep this uh, media go coming. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, the The best place is just thelastamericanvagabond.com, right? The, the, more than anything, I would like people just to engage with the work, think about what we're saying, share the content. You know, supporting. Uh, we are completely. Uh, donation funded platform, top to bottom, no advertising, nothing else. So anybody out there wants to support the work, do it because you believe in it. And that's it. You know, there's plenty of ways you can. Um, uh, and I also want to just, I'm probably going to try come back on when this gets closer, middle of the month, but I want to remind people that I'm working on uh, the platform, which is called super you, which we're already demoing for people right now. And that it's, it's, it's the people that have seen it are very excited. It, it is, there's nothing else like it out there. It's better than YouTube, in my opinion. It has everything YouTube have, has plus plenty more stuff. I've been poking it, letting people know it's coming, but we, we're already demoing for a lot of people you guys are well familiar with. And so this will be coming out very soon. And I just want people to get excited about lots of new things. Hopefully there's more platforms coming as well. The point is YouTube bad, <laughs> go yeah. another direction, right? So thanks for having me. Is it a, a video platform? Live, live streaming. I mean, everything. It's live streaming, embed, scheduling, chat, super, super, you shouts, what we're calling it, all kinds of stuff. It's coming. It says everything you would have anywhere else. And, you know, just but don't take my word for it. It's coming. I'll, I'll scream at it when that's where I'm going to be broadcasting mostly when it comes. So I'll let you guys know. Awesome. Hey, Jason, you want to tell us where uh, people can find you? Because I know, you know, you're kind of, you're, 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 you're still on YouTube. So let people know how they can support you. And then the, the Hooter waitresses you end up supporting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going back to the Hooters, my friend. I know. Wants I to buy that overpriced golf bag they try to sell them every time they come by the, the, the table. <laughs> so um, I am still on YouTube by, by the skin of my nuts. I'm still there. I think that I can get rid of one of these strikes. If I can somehow prolong it until uh, mid-May, they start shaving my strikes off. So 
I'm doing my best. Everything was retroactive anyway. Uh, the WHO actually tweeted about ivermectin um, this week. And so I, I don't know if I'm, yeah, they had several times and they were kind of, I, I don't want to get into it because I, I don't want medical misinformation on your channel or anything like that. But the point being is my new model is that I will go live simultaneously. And then there, when there are things that I know I am not going to be able to say or cover on YouTube, I will cut the YouTube feed and we will continue for free over at rockfin.com, R-O-K-F-I-N.com. And without Rockfin, I wouldn't be able to do this. We make some of the archives uh, premium, but the live stuff is uncensored, free. And a cool thing is, Ricky, I just found uh, a bunch of my old, old, old archives from my 2009-2010 Info Warrior show. And they're actually commercial free in MP3 format. We're talking about interviews with Max Kaiser about Bitcoin in 2009. And I'm going to be uploading those exclusively for premium members so they can check out the archives and feel like uh, they're getting something for supporting me. And I do want to thank everybody out there for supporting me on Rockfin. I actually, I almost have 300 subscribers, paying subscribers strong. And I just want to say without you guys, I, I would not be able to do what I'm doing. So I'm going to fight tooth and nail. I'm still looking at properties to expand. And I love the union of the unwanted. I wish you were, you're now competing with my mixed martial mindset time. I'm going to have to shift my show so I can come over here every week, uh, Ricky. But again, you have the best guests. I love this show. I wish I could have made it earlier. And I just want to say, keep it up, my friend. Well, we're all on Rockfin. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> yeah, actually, good point. Yay. Rock. So yeah, guys, if you pop, if you if you're one of my premium subscribers, you get all these guys as well for premium. And if you're one of their premium subscribers, you will also get those old school Info Warrior podcasts with people like Naomi Wolf talking about the end of America twelve years ago. That's also going to be made available. Uh, so look out for that stuff, guys. Awesome. Plug away, guys. Lindsay, Steve, Scott. Um, I am the host of Rogue Ways. I'm on YouTube on Rogue Ways. I'm on every podcast app under Rogue Ways. Uh, you can find me on Rockfin now under Rogue Ways, and I'm doing my show Middle Path there. Uh, and I would love it if people want to come hang out at rogue.locals.com where the community is. I hate Facebook. Facebook is a piece of shit. But on rogue.locals.com, we never get censored and we can see every single post and every single comment. So it's a really nice place to hang out with like-minded people, post whatever you want, hang out. It's pretty cool. So hopefully to see people um, in each of those places would be excellent. And thank you so much for having me. It's always so fun to hang out with you guys. Uh, I'm Steve Poikin, and I have lots of shows. So uh, I host Slow News Day. I co-host the Free Assange Vigil series, um, and I now co-host uh, Anonymous Bites Back. Um, this weekend marks two years uh, since Julian Assange was uh, illegally and violently trafficked out of the Ecuadorian embassy. Um, we're it's an international day of action. I'm going to be in Los Angeles the the day before that. Uh, April 10th, um, we're hosting a, a press panel event for uh, local media. Um, so if anybody knows or is anyone in the LA media, um, <clears throat> please, please get at me. Um, and uh, I, I'll make sure that like my email gets thrown in the show notes or something. I'll stick it in the chat right now. I already did that. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but uh that's going to be absolutely incredible. Um, and then on the 11th, we're going to meet at CBS Columbia Square. We're going to march up the Hollywood Boulevard, uh, down it, down the Walk of Fame, possibly with sidewalk chalk. 
Um, and, uh, and then wind up, uh, a block back down on sunset, um, at CNN. And there's going to be a couple of other, uh, uh, like larger activist groups that are going to meet us there. We're going to be able to address with megaphones, CNN for a while. And, and that should be fun. Um, but more importantly, uh, uh, the United States is trying to get international jurisdiction over the press. They're trying to do that through the the extradition of Julian Assange. Um, they're trying to make it illegal for you and I to receive classified information, not 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 share it, not publish it, but that too. But but just looking at it or clicking share on Twitter could get you uh, a prosecution under the Espionage Act, and that's bullshit. Um, so, uh, so yeah, um, if you're anywhere near like any of the cities where, where these are being held and there's over 30 now internationally and a dozen, uh, here in the U S, um, the Twitter account candles, the number four Assange has the list of everything and I'll shut up now and thank you. This is freaking awesome. Uh, as always. Awesome, guys. Uh, again, super grateful to be here with you all. Uh, my name is Scott from the Truthzilla Podcast. I'm one of three hosts, Megan and Ed. Neither of them could be here today, but you can find us at Rockfin as well, rockfin.com slash Truthzilla, or any of your podcast platforms. Um, we got some new uh, awesome Crisis Actor shirts on our <laughs> t-shirt shop, Truthzilla.org slash shirts. So perfect time for the false flag episode. But anyway, yes, love do. you guys so much. Those are great shirts. <laughs> <laughs> love you guys so much. Take care. Thanks, Thanks, Scott. Uh, it's Charlie, any, any final words? You can find me on Rockfin as well, or my website, the octopus of global um, Twitter at macroaggressions for as long as I'm there. We have fun. We like to poke, poke people that don't want to be poked. You know, sometimes you get deplatformed, but that happens. Yeah. We, we go out swinging. I'm not worried about, uh, the union of the wanted being deplatformed or, kicked off youtube i mean i I, i'm totally against self censoring and and all that stuff it's like there's plenty of other alternative platforms that i would love to promote and and help out and put our stuff there so anybody that's why it's called the union of the unwanted because big tech doesn't want us we created a uh, community of ourselves so uh i i love this show i think it's you know sam and charlie and mike and i have talked about it i think it's probably one of the most important things that people don't know about quite yet because it's not as as popular as you think it would be but i I love this community and I love seeing people connect with one another. And it's, it's really more than just a podcast. It, it really is a community where people help each other out. They help promote each other's work. And, um, you know, cause if not, and many of us would be in our own little corners of the internet doing our own thing. So this is a great way to kind of support one another and other people who are doing uh, great, important work. So, um, Mike, any, any final words? No. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. You just showed up. <laughs> hey, Ricky, can I add one thing to what you just said? I really appreciate that. The, the this community is fantastic, and I, you know I've watched a lot of these over the time. And I, I believe me or not, I've tried so many times to make this, and I keep missing it. I'm glad I'm here today, but. I have, while that's happened and being upset with myself for not making it, I've taken the time to try to connect with different people that've been on the show and just been blown away by the people that I have. You know, it's not a lot of like like some like Charlie and I've connected, and you know, I I. I familiar with his work before then but a lot of the people i had no idea about beforehand and then we connect and we meet and we go wow man we have a lot of the same opinions and we, you know and i just think that's fantastic it's powerful so i just i love what you're doing here and i think this is it's that you're right it's this will grow and become more more important than it already is so thanks for including me 
Thanks, Ryan, Thank for coming. We appreciate. We always want to invite you. We know that you, you know, you'll come when you when you can make it, and we appreciate your your work. We love what the Last American Vagabonds doing out there. So, thanks, such Ryan. a good fit, of course. And thanks to everybody for 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 coming and investing a couple hours of their lives to talk about these things. I think they're important. I mean, I think we have to have the conversation first uh, before we have targeted action. So this is getting, this is giving people, um, you know, an understanding of things from maybe a different perspective that they're not getting from the mainstream media. And that is extremely important these days. So thanks everyone for coming out and for watching too. Yeah. And, and I think similar to, I'm sure you guys have a lot of listeners that will tell you like, thanks for being outspoken because they feel like they're crazy because nobody else around them is seeing the world the way they're seeing it. I think it's similar with podcasters and content creators. Like you meet other content creators that are feeling the same way. It's nice. I mean, you get the sense of like community. Like I'm not crazy. Like there's a lot of people who believe because that's the thing. That's that's kind of one of the tricks that's played. It's like you're crazy for for questioning these things, you know. And and it's like when we all come together and we show people like, no, there's many of us. There's many more of us than than they think. I, I think it's a powerful thing. And I and I believe in strength in numbers. That you know we're we're not. We might disagree on certain things, but one thing I love, and I'm, I know people who, who've listened my show and many of, of your guys' show, you don't just pick a team and, and defend that team. Like you'll you're open to ideas, exploring ideas and and you realize like as long as you're fighting the elite, you know, for I guess a lack of better term, I'll use a general term like that, the elite, that you know, you're on my team. Even if we disagree on this specific thing or that specific thing, you know, it's we're on the same team and we can help each other by, you know, promoting the same things and freedoms and, and whatnot. So um, I wish I had a more poetic way of saying it, but you, I think you get what I meant. No team, no team. Yes, yes, exactly. But uh, but thanks again, guys. I really appreciate your time. You guys will all be getting the audio and video uh, stuff like usual. And then I'll also, you know, you'll have everybody's email address in there too so we can all connect afterwards and keep promoting each other's work. So thanks again, guys. Have a great night. And hopefully I see you guys on one of the future Union of the Wanda shows. Thanks, Ricky. Love you guys. Bye, guys. Thanks, everyone. Hey, everyone. Take care. Mr. False Flag. <laughs>